that's that where it's always at these days. <laughs> is that the place to get uh baseball cards these days? Well, it's the place to like go to deliver cards and not find any. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Buenos dias. I see you pictures of people posting like people posting <laughs> toys and I never see those toys at our target. Like I have yet to see like one new GI Joe toy ever. Like I haven't seen one. Only pictures well, I, of them. I know the kids and I wanted to, to check out like uh the He-Man WWE dolls. You can't find those either. I think I've seen the ring like a hundred times, but I've never seen a figure. And the only yeah. regular He-Man we've seen was Battle Cat. So, yeah. yeah. I never see like the high-end toys that these people show, except for, you know, I see like the Legends stuff, like the Marvel stuff. Yeah. But that's about it. But even the, well, the Legends ones, even they're, they're rated. Like the, I can see the display that's there, but like yeah. they came out with like the new Venom series and they're all gone. Like, oh yeah. There, there's nothing left except for Gwen Venom or whatever that is. Gwen of them? <laughs> I don't know how you say it. <laughs> they usually have like a lot of one figure, and that's it. Right. The the one figure that nobody seems to want. For some mm. reason, nobody wants Nightwing. Well, that's dumb. <laughs> I know. The Todd McFarlane ones. Right. Like he, there's a bunch of Nightwings. Oh, that's crazy. Did he do like a modern one or did he do the classic dick? Uh, it was <laughs> the, classic the <laughs> it was the modern. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. you know, if he had disco dick, it he would did, be a little bit better. Didn't didn't have the disco collar. Yeah. I gotta get the Flash. I got the Flash. I saw that. I like him. I don't want to open him up though. I just can't. I open them all up. Oh, I can't do I it. I opened them all up and I set them up on the on the ox spare dresser that we have uh, down in the basement where I have all my comic book shelves and stuff. The only I thing I don't like, a... go ahead. I, I open them up and throw them in the floor for the kids to walk on just to save time. <laughs> <laughs> Mine go like this: if I don't open them, I end up like being like on a binge and I want to sell them to buy something else. Mm-hmm. If I do open them, the kids steal them, so I can't win. <laughs> so far the kids are very good they're still young but they're very good at not fooling around with my stuff unless they ask well that happens in uh you know and uh, i'll be like okay, okay you can play with it. and the next thing you know angela gets broken and then i'm like Ugh, that, was, <laughs> that was from the first line of spawn dang it you know not good yeah and i still have all my spawn in the original boxes nice yeah. No, I opened all them back up in the 90s. I used to like, uh, oh my God, I was such a dork. Not that we all aren't, but I used to like get like a terrarium and build like, build, like action scenes. <laughs> That's cool. Well, I uh, did when I was real young. And then I think after maybe Return of the Jedi, I stopped opening the the toys. Oh, that's too bad. No, it's it's too good. No, it's like it, you're like that that chicken guy, that evil chicken guy in the Toy chicken Story man too. from Break, Breaking Bad. No, from no, Toy, Toy Story. Story. Toy Story too. You you don't open up your toys. You make them just sit in a box all day. They're made to be played with. You're the you're the bad guy in Toy Story too. I break <laughs> open my CGC bo- things. You do? 
Yeah. You got a weird priorities. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know the toys are worth a lot. I don't want to. I, I want to get rid of them at some point. Well, yeah, yeah he's. You're not wrong because when I, whenever I've sold any, I've I've done pretty well, especially the unopened ones. So. Yeah. Years ago, well, it wasn't that long ago, like three or four years ago, um, I sold a handful of the pops. Uh, the pops. Yeah, I remember the, you got rid of a Hawkman, though. What's wrong yeah, with you? The, the what is wrong with pops. you? How can you and get rid of Hawkman? I mean, bro, of all of them, don't get rid of Hawkman. I did all the ones that that were worth the most, sure. like, like Captain Shazam. Martian Manhunter, Green Arrow was going for like over two hundred dollars. I don't know what, maybe because of for the a show. pop. Really? Yeah. yeah. Was it like a San Diego exclusive no. or something? No, it's just no. discontinued lines. Like a... My son has a Bart Simpson that's worth like a couple hundred bucks, but it's open, so I don't I don't know what he'd get for it. But yeah, well, my, it, all that's... of mine were opened, but I kept all the boxes. So I just oh sure, put them all back in the boxes in the you know the plastic and yeah, I mean I bought whatever an ipad pro was with tax i didn't end up having to pay any money out of pocket i just used the why did you get rid of them just out of curiosity what were you trying the, to buy the ipad I, I just wanted it and i didn't want to spend eight hundred dollars on an ipad oh so you wanted to pay for the ipad is that what you do you do know you still spent the money right rob yeah 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 <laughs> he just he just, just redirected I didn't, the... I didn't spend eight hundred dollars on those pops I spent ten dollars each. Well, it's oh, like on Seinfeld. That's found money. It doesn't count. It, I'm, I'm just teasing you. I've been, <laughs> I've been selling basketball cards to pay for my baseball and football cards, and so <laughs> I mean, I feel like you know, at least finally one hobby is self-supporting, right? Yeah, comics comics aren't going to be. I don't think for a long time. No, especially since a lot of times, just about everything I buy, I'll get my pre-order box, and let's say there's a hundred comics in it. I'm probably going to see at least 80 of those in the dollar boxes in the future. Yeah. And, you know, I paid at least two fifty nine each for, for them discounted. You never I know, feel like though. there's, like, usually one Marvel or DC that's, like, hot for, like, a week. Where if you immediately flip it, you might make good money. But you have to be, like, on it, you know. Right. And I'm usually not on it. <laughs> Me either, you know, because we get, we get our books, like, once a month. <laughs> right. You know what the thing is, and and we're all, you know, I, I don't, Joe, I don't know how how old you are, but we're we're all around the same age, and I I find that, um, because I'm so much older than I rem- I feel like I should be, like time just flies, sure. and it's like, oh my god, this comic book that I feel like I literally just bought, but it was now like 20 years ago, right. it's worth like 150 dollars. Oh my God! Like, how did this happen? This is brand. This is a, to me. It feels like it's still a brand new comic book, right? <laughs> because I bought it like 1997. Yeah, it but you're like old. That's because you're old. It, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's my point. It's like I'm constantly like. If I if I had to guess, surprised. I would think I would think Joe's the youngest of us. I'm 46. I was born in 74. Yep. Yeah. So you're the youngest, but you're just the a youngest, little bit. I think. Well, you're yeah, me and Kirk are the same age. The same age. That's what I was saying. And I'm the old man. Yeah. So Joe's the baby, and I'm the old man. I'm the grandpa of the family here. <laughs> well, to your point, Rob. I mean, I've been trying to 
sort out doubles and stuff and I'll pull out books from the nineties and I still feel like those are new books. Yeah. You know, and then these things, you know, some are, some of them are 30 years old. Well, I was always the kid buying the wrong stuff. You know, I bought all the Archer and Armstrongs while everybody else was buying the early Harbingers, you know, the ones that actually have some value. You know, I, <laughs> I, I, I have like... They, they had know, a lot more value than they do now, though. Yeah. Like, they were hot in the 90s, man. Right. Oh, yeah. Like, even Archer and Armstrong was hot. Like, it, everything was like a 25 or higher dollar price tag. And then if you got to Magnus 12 and the early Solars and the early Magnus, you were looking at 100 bucks back then. I remember I got that. Uh, I think the, one of the first Valiant that I got was Solar number 10. That Is that was the black the, one? Was the black, black cover? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I have it, but it's in like, horrible shape. I'm like, oh my God, I'm so excited I got this thing because this is worth like so much money. And now, I mean, it's still a little bit more than the average one, but it, it isn't hugely valuable. Yeah, I got a beater copy out of the dollar bin about a year ago. Oh, yeah? Yeah. It's a good there's list. a, there, there's <laughs> a second print, too, of that. Yeah, there it is. has a, a Roman numeral, two in the right-hand corner. Yeah. The crazy thing on some of those second and third prints, you know, like when all, all of us were buying Death of Superman, we should have been buying, I think, like the fourth printing because that's the one that's actually worth money. Yeah. Right? Any yeah. of them. Yeah. That's, that seems to be the latest, like, uh, what do you call it, hotness right now is like second, third, and fourth printings. Right. Because people are going after low print runs. That's yep. what they're they're after. Well, I got news. For most of these people, that most books nowadays have low print runs. They do, at least, com <laughs> at least compared to what we've been collecting all our lives. Yeah, I don't know what's going to happen to Kirk when they go digital. Like, pretty soon the movies. Like, I was going through Target, and man, they reduced their movie section for Christmas by like, they're down to two rows. Yeah, yeah. And, and they're and they're not even stocking like new stuff. They're they'll have like two shelves for new stuff. It really is becoming like a niche thing. Is, I mean, I'll, any any of them that I buy, I'll buy on Amazon. So it's not like you can't find them, but you, you can tell that this is it's, it, dying. it's not. Yeah, it's it's well, not in demand. Well, what's happening is the exact same thing that happened in the VHS days. Um, uh, when oh crap, what's the guy's name? Chad Bozeman died. I was like, oh, I hadn't seen Forty Two in a while. I'm gonna order it off Amazon. Price gouging. Is that a print? It was up to, you know, probably $42. Yeah. Um, I, and then to, today, I was like, I couldn't believe we didn't own some kind of wonderful. So I was like, I was going to get the DVD of it. Because I'm like, ah, it'll be like a $5 movie because it was last time I saw it. And it's like 15 bucks. I'm like, I don't want to pay 15 bucks for a DVD. That's, <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a great movie, though. It is I, a great movie. But I love that is, movie. They go out of print and then you see those prices slowly start to rise on them. Right. And obviously, the, it was a cash grab with uh, Chad dying, but uh, you know, that's so, what I think that happened with VHS too. When I was at Blockbuster, you know, stuff would go out of print, and you know, uh, Ouija or Witchboard, what was the name of it? Was it Witchboard? Witchboard, yeah. Yeah. The next thing you know, that movie's like forty-five bucks because it's way out of print. Well, that's they're streaming that on uh, Amazon now. Witchboard. I think they're doing it with some kind of wonderful too, but I wanted to own it. <laughs> yeah. Some kind of wonderful. You're talking about the Joe, the John Hughes film, right? Yeah, basically uh, the the boy pretty in pink. Yeah, that guy. That if I was that kid's father, Eric Stoltz, I would have just. I, oh man, I can't believe he threw away his college fund. I, I would have killed him. 
And then he, he like really did throw it away. Like he didn't even end up with the girl he gave. Oh, he gave it to the, he gave it to the, the his friend. That's right, right. At the end. Right. Because she gave the earrings back. That's right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the better ending movie. I think of, of it in pretty in pink. Well, pretty, pretty in pink, pink. She ended up with, I wanted her to end up with the duck man. Oh, That's, of course. I mean, it just, it, Andrew McCarthy, he he didn't deserve that. Like he he did nothing in that movie to deserve it. He was scummy, and oh my god, her and the dad's relationship was really gross too. Yeah, he was all creepy. I don't know what was up with that. <laughs> well, most most of those movies are really not just happy stories. No. Well, Sixteen Candles is pretty happy. Oh, that's true. Well, that's almost Breakfast more Club ends pretty happy. Home Alone two, Home Alone ends happy. What ends my, happy? My kids I mean, just watched people. Home Alone two uh, today. Not the first time, but they just happened to have it on, so I watched a good three quarters of it. I didn't realize how how much it was exactly like in terms of lines, in terms of specific pranks and stuff. <laughs> like they did the exact same stuff in a different setting as the first movie. Yeah. You know, I've never seen that one. I mean, it's still it's good. But it's it's very good. Kind of the same thing. If you like yeah. the first one, you'll like the second one because it's the same. Oh, it's the same crew. And then there's Home Alone three, which they brought somebody new. <laughs> uh, I think that was direct to video. Kevin McAllister was getting old. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm old enough to be a Home Alone now. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Leave me alone, mom. <laughs> yeah, John Hughes films. I I was a huge fan. They were sort of formulaic, but he he really fleshed out some interesting characters. That's for sure. But my favorite though is planes, trains, and automobiles. Me too, I, man. I'd have to agree with you, like on emotional level. Like that well, one just like hits you. It really does. Yeah, it's it's pretty much perfect. The scene. Uh... How does she know where she's going? Oh, she's drunk. That's my absolute favorite. You're going the wrong way. (laughs) Thank you, Hong Kong. And then he does like the guzzle sign. Yeah, that's my absolute favorite. Is this vehicle safe for highway driving? (laughs) (laughs) The radio works fine. Yeah. Uh, That's our Thanksgiving movie. I love it. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I would say that's that is my favorite. It's so good. Yeah, we usually do that back to back with Uncle Buck. You can't get enough John Candy at Thanksgiving. No, no, I agree with that. That's awesome. Uncle Buck he, is a great one. As he well. did do a vacation too. Yep. Yeah. yeah, I gotta wait till the kids get a little older for that one. Unless I can find it on like USA or something, I can uh, DVR it. <laughs> What did he do? He did Vacation and Christmas Vacation, I think. Or did he just do the original Vacation? I can't remember. John Candy? No. Um, no, Chris Columbus. Chris. No, not Chris Columbus. Good Lord. John Hughes. No, John, Hughes. John Hughes. Yeah, I don't remember. DVRing it off the network may not work, Joe. They can say things on TV now that they you used to couldn't get away with. They would change it to something else in the old days. <laughs> Speaking right. of like evil, I can't believe that show is not an HBO show. Dude, no, dude, it, you're it, watching it, that, it, you start watching hits... that show. I'm like, <clears throat> it, no, but it, 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 you got 
how far how far are, are you in, in the I'm in number nine, but I'll okay. I'll, t- I'll tell you this right now. I have never been scared ever. <laughs> and yesterday, I went to bed watching it, and I couldn't sleep the whole night. Like I <laughs> I I would go I would go to sleep and then start sleeping good, and then I have a nightmare, and then I I didn't I don't usually have like reoccurring nightmares the same night. Yeah. And it was like I'd go back to sleep, same nightmare. I would go I would it would continue where I left off. And then yeah, I'd wake up again like in that. a sweat. I, it happened four times, and I'm like, I am not gonna watch this before bed anymore. I'll just <laughs> but, watch it in the Mike, morning. You saw the one with the evil child. That one, that one, I think went too far. That one. How it, it, is that on a network? Uh, that 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 is exactly like. I, I sympathize with the parents, though. Like I, they it that was the darkest. TV show I, I have ever watched because Listen, it dealt that was in, first of all it was insanely dark you're right regardless of what it was or where it's airing but the fact that it was on CBS me and Stacey are looking at each other like oh my god I can't believe they actually showed this no but it's even like borderline for HBO in my opinion yeah. Yeah. because it dealt with a baby and it dealt with another child and it was just oh yeah but- if they dropped a few f bombs, it would be an HBO show. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it the was, fact that I mean, it doesn't need disturbing. to be it's it's terrifying. Yeah. And, and yeah, then I, I, I have tried to get my wife to watch it, and she's like, "Well, is it good?" I was like, "Oh, it's real good. It's creepy, but it's good." And she's like, it's "Oh, I don't want to watch creepy." Well, it, it depends. If you want, it, it's disturbing as hell. Like it. I've watched a lot of horror. And this show is like, it's like up there. Like, I get an anxiety. Like, <laughs> I think my heart rate goes up. I haven't checked my blood pressure at all. But it, I was even telling Barb, because she ha- she's only seen the first episode, and I'm like on nine already. But I was telling her I get, like, anxiety. Like, it gets me anxious. Well, when I was little, I used to get nightmares from watching weird war or reading weird war tales before bed. So my mother had to make the rule: you can't read that one before bed. So I'd read, I'd read that one like early in the day, and then save just regular Sergeant Rock for bedtime. So we're gonna, we're gonna have to do that with you, Mike. You can watch that one like at lunchtime on the treadmill, but you yeah. can't watch it at bedtime. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. I gotta get. I have, I'm halfway through nine, and then it's just three more episodes. Oh, it's so I'm, I can't wait for whenever they start doing a second season. It's only twelve. Yeah, yeah. I I've tried to convince Kristen to watch it, and she hadn't been interested. So I'll tell her that Mike, who's never scared of anything, got scared of it. And that might be enough. It it, we'll it, it freaks my shit. Tell her, it freaks my <laughs> shit. Oh man, we just earned the explicit tag this episode. Yeah. They're gonna they're gonna put that on the back of the DVD case for season two. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I, well, well I, we watched shows together because if it's me solo, I, I very rarely watch television. But um. So yeah, I'll, I'll I'll have to tell her that it's one we need to check out. Well, yeah, if you're ready to, little fat Spencer's be... been nagging you about for a year. <laughs> That's true. Well, out of the gate, I don't know if you ever saw the um, the entity. Have you ever seen that movie? No. Sounds familiar. That oh, movie's yeah. about like a ghost, a ghost uh, that it's based on a true story, but I don't know how how that mean how much that means. But it's about a woman that's attacked by 
sort of like sexually attacked by a ghost and it's it, it scared the crap out of me when i was a kid and this oh and right out the gate they went there and i'm like oh shit i mean that george is freaking he freaks me out man wouldn't somebody sexually attacked by a ghost in ghostbusters too uh oh. yes she was but that's a comedy that's a little more relaxing <laughs> It's okay, man. It's okay when there's a, you know, slime and stuff involved. <laughs> now, the only time I ever got freaked out by one of the movies, and it was, uh, you guys ever seen Jacob's Ladder? Yeah. Yeah, that was weird. I don't think I've ever seen the whole thing. Okay, there, he keeps seeing these, like, weird visions, and I won't do spoilers in case you've ever seen it, but there's one point where... He's like in a, he almost gets run down by a cab and, uh, the cab, the person in the cab turns around and it's just this face going, wah, like moving super speed and you can't tell what it is. It kind of looks like if Rorschach was moving at like, I don't know, five speed or something. Yeah. And anyway, right when that happened, like on the TV, my back door blew open and it scared <laughs> the crap out of me and I ran out of the house. That would do it. <laughs> and when you came back in, you heard voices going, Hello? Oh yeah. Hello. Hello. Well, Barb scared the shit out of me last night because I was watching Evil in Bed. I, I went to bed to go to sleep and I couldn't get to sleep right away, so I was like, I'm gonna watch a little bit of Evil and then I'll fall asleep. And uh, I guess I had the volume up too loud, so she came in and slammed the door, and it <laughs> it, it like happened during one of those scenes, and I just like it. I got scared. <laughs> Like, because a lot of the things in evil is like just sounds and noises and stuff and is somebody in the house like that yeah. scares the crap out of me is uh, a home invasion oh me too man Ho home invasion and drowning like in open water the, those, those like things. the purge and um yeah. panic room ah uh, that, that stuff the, messes with the, me the strangers yeah yep. It, it's I don't like, like uh, people coming in your house. Yeah, just like Helter Skelter, the whole idea yep. of uh, Charles Manson and breaking into the house, you know. I'm 100% with you. It's My terrifying. mother, I, we she was always about thrift stores and whatnot. We saw a book about Manson called Helter Skelter. And yep. I was like, what is that? I, what is that about? That's a weird name. and. She proceeds to tell me, at like six or seven years old, all about the Manson family and their murders and whatnot, and would tell me things like, and they'll break into your house, and they'd like stick a straw between your toes, and if you wake up, they'll murder you. And and I was like, you know, very, very young and not, not real interested in, in all these grisly facts. And I was already scared living in this hundred-year-old house that I was sure was haunted. So mm -hmm. for like months after this, I was just sleepless. Just sure somebody's going to come in and stick a straw between my toes and, and murder me. Now you know, we was... now now we know what to do at the convention to scare you. <laughs> Some straw yeah, between why, your toes. That's why I watch these movies like <laughs> The Conjuring, and you see all these kids like sleeping with their feet uncovered. I'm like, cover your feet. <laughs> yep. Because you know the ghost always grabs the blankets when it's right around their feet, and their feet are not under the blankets. Come on, yeah. keep the feet covered. If you get under the blanket, you're safe from the ghost. Yeah. That, that was my rule. Every time, Haunting of Hill House, The Conjuring, always, the feet are uncovered. Come on. <laughs> when I had my, what, my, our first dog, she knew that my feet were sensitive, and that's how she'd scare me and get me up. <laughs> she would go under the blankets 
and then start nibbling on my toes, and I was like, ah, because I got sensitive <laughs> feet. <laughs> but she she knew how to get me up. None of the other dogs could do that. Now now I just get up on my own. I hear them moving. I'm a light sleeper now. Yeah, and you can't go back to sleep. I know, right? Well, I usually read myself to sleep or something. I, I I'll I'll, I'll fall back to sleep. It just takes me a half hour or forty five minutes. Yeah, sometimes once I'm up, it's over. Yeah, that's usually what happens to me. I don't mind I when that happens on the weekend. When it happens during a weekday, I hate it. Yeah. Because I know I have to go to work. Yeah, I've just started taking melatonin at night. It's helped a lot. I tried it once when I was having trouble sleeping, and I had so many nightmares. I said, "Screw that!" <laughs> I did gonna... too. What yep. you got to do? You got to get the kitty version and like up the dosage till you find that sweet spot. Uh, it wasn't worth it though, because I had I didn't have <laughs> night. I just did the adult ver- the adult yeah. whatever the recommended dosage probably, was, and probably ten. Yeah, you get, I, uh, I, I take six. I take one adult uh, and one kid, and it's exactly the right amount. Because, yeah, I used to have vivid dreams if I'd take a full full, full uh, dose of, like, well, the pill ones. They weren't just vivid for me. They were, like, wake up in a cold sweat. Like, it was, I it ain't worth it. <laughs> I'd yeah. rather get so, up so Mike, two, three times y- a night. Yes, so last night, what kind of nightmares were you having? I don't remember now. Oh. I just remember it happening waking up happening again it was almost every hour on the hour and then barb went to bed barb stays up to like four in the morning and i said barb i'm having nightmares went to bed and then had another one it had it had to do with whatever was happening in episode eight or seven i can't remember but it was it's one of those ah I, and then it just freaks me out with the kids in the VR, man. I I, I just huh. the dead girl on Halloween. That guy, that oh jeez, <laughs> that's terrifying shit. <laughs> oh man, there's just okay. too much in that show. There's just too much. I'm very interested in where they're going to go in season two. Will they be able to keep the the level of spookiness up? Yeah, I don't know what I don't know the history of that writing of the guy the people that created the show are they husband and wife or um, but man they have they're consistently there there might be shows that are like lighter in the spook factor but there's always like something that's just creepy you know. Yep, it's terrifying. Well, I hope they keep it to um, like half seasons, like the the thirteen episodes and stuff. Yeah, I don't I like I don't like when they go beyond. They go beyond that. No, because then you just got a lot of filler, and and you're going to have half of them that aren't that great. Well, you get to watch less too, because you devote yourself to a whole season of like what is it like thirty four or whatever <laughs> the magic number is. I'd rather see like twelve different shows than four. I think it's twenty six these days. Yeah. Might be. It's double of whatever the number is. I even like when they're eight. 
<laughs> oh yeah, me too. Eight, ten, those are that's perfect. But, yeah, ten's good. The, the, like it feels like the most of the HBO ones are like ten. And it's just about right. I guess I'm old school because I won't I won't like the thirty nine episode season of Dobie Gillis. I want them all. I want as much as I can get. Yeah, but those are half an hour. Depends well, on the type of show. Yeah, like yeah. a Seinfeld, like those in the older half-hour programs. You know, those are light. You can yeah. watch those. You can watch four or five of those in a row. Yeah, I usually do. <laughs> well, when I used to work at the factory, I looked forward to the holidays because there would be just marathons of my favorite shows. You could watch a a Law and Order marathon or a CSI marathon and just see like a a whole season in a day. And I loved doing things like that. <laughs> yeah, that's just called Hulu. You need to get better Wi-Fi, bro. Well, my wife looked into it, and it was, I think, I think the high speed, you get like a year of a cheap price, and then it goes up to like $200 or something. Well, you got to do like we do, and basically like, well, we're going to change companies, and then they'll uh, give you the intro price again. We don't have any other company to change to. Oh, there's, gotcha. There's one cable company that offers decent internet in this area, and that, gotcha. that was who she talked to. They're the ones that made me mad when I had a problem. We, I used to have cable TV, and I was having a problem, and I called him out. Repairman shows up, and he comes to the door, and he goes, Are you stealing cable? What? I like, I've got an account. That's why you're here. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was going to get to the door and say, hello, <laughs> hello. I would rather it be a spooky ghost than somebody accusing me of stealing when I'm paying my bills. Yeah, no kidding. That's weird. I don't know what the deal was with that. That, that dude just, that, that's how you, that is the epitome of getting off on the wrong foot. So we have some questions. Yeah, I saw a couple of these. Yeah, Kirk asked a question. He's <laughs> asking us a question because he was in fear that nobody was going to ask a question. There you go. Well, he you said, never know. What were your earliest war comics and and would you rank them as great comics? What do you mean, like, great? Like, all-time favorite? Like, Well, like, like, let's say my first issue of Sergeant Rock is a personal favorite, but if I just had to choose the greatest Sergeant Rock stories, it probably wouldn't make my top 10. But sure, sure. Personal favorite, because it was the, the first one I bought and read over and over and over. Um, I'll go. Uh, so the three earliest I can remember is that GI Combat I posted the other day, the Skull Mountain one, which is a good one, probably not great. Uh, the Black Hawk, which I don't know if that issue's great, but that run is. Like those Evanier ones are excellent. Um, I probably oh, that, prefer the one, the Warwheel issue. Oh, that was such a good run. The whole thing is so good. Yeah. So I don't know if that specific issue is great, but that that runs that run definitely is. And then the other earliest one, my first GI Joe issue was uh, number twelve, and yeah, that set the stage for me. Um, that had Quinn and Doctor Venom and Snake Eyes, their relationship. Um, it made me a huge fan of those three characters and it made it that much more effective when spoilers, uh, they didn't make it through issue 19 alive, all of them. So I would, I would say that one's great. The Blackhawk runs great. The GI combat was probably average. 
calling that um the the GI Joe, I I actually probably wouldn't have um remembered that. I don't remember what my first issue of GI Joe was. Um, it was you know it was right around probably what you're saying. Twelve, uh, like eleven, twelve, somewhere around there. Um, actually, twelve does look very very familiar. Um, but same way is like for that one, like. I was hooked, and obviously, <clears throat> as a kid, I was buying all the action figures and stuff like that, so that was another entryway, um, so that was a big one for me. Um, you posted not long ago, Joe, uh, Sergeant Rock 340, I literally have no memory of what the story was, I just remember that that was my first Sergeant Rock comic, and I, right. I, I thought it was just a cool-looking cover. Um, the other one is kind of uh, war-related. It was, and I don't remember the number, but it was a Brave and the Bold with um, Batman and um, the Unknown Rock? Soldier. No, oh. the Unknown Soldier. Yeah, and that one was, um, I was big into um, Brave and the Bold. I would pick it up <clears throat> anytime I could find it um, at the convenience store. And uh, and this was in, in right at the, the beginning of me buying those, you know, um, one after the other. Uh, at, at the convenience store, so uh, that that was a big one for me, and and, and I remember really enjoying um, the run and, and that issue in particular. Was that when they would have like basically like the Golden Age Batman during World War Two? You know, I don't even remember what the conceit was. Okay, because um, I know th- that I one. feel like that's what they used to do. They would have like a. That's why they call it the Haney Earth because it doesn't work out. Because yeah, he would have the, like Golden Age Batman with Sergeant Rock, but they Z- weren't on the Zany, same earth. Zany Haney. Uh-huh. Yeah, and I so it, it actually did, wouldn't work out like theoretically, but yeah, because he would take Golden Age Batman and put him in like the army stories, it so that they could have those Brave and the Bolds. Yeah, it didn't really have to have continuity in that series. Right. It was just no, definitely out there. not. They're just Haney, fun. Haney didn't care. He just told no. the story. I, I like that personally. Yeah, it, it that one. It was just. I think, Mike, I think we've talked about this before uh, in particular, is that, you know, I was just starting to get into comic books at that time. I was like eight years old, seven, eight years old. And um, the Brave and the Bold, it was just exciting to me because I had no idea who he was going to team up with next. Mm -hmm. And if it was anyone that I've ever even seen or heard of before. So we're constantly like discovering brand new superheroes. Well, yeah, that, that's what I what I I navigated to characters that weren't like I didn't know about. Yeah, like if it was just yes. Batman, it wouldn't count. But if it was Batman and Adam Strange, I'm like, who's this? Yeah, and then like Mister oh, Miracle. God, cool. Yeah, I was like, I wanted to know what all the obscure stuff was, and I still do. Like if you throw an obscure title, I'm more, I, I like it more than if you throw a mainstream Batman book or Superman book in front of me. Yeah, you're so, learning something new. The, yeah, plus they can get the away bulls. with they can get away with more. <laughs> like the lesser the character, the more creative the team can be. Oh for sure. Yeah so the uh Brave and the Bold one was one forty it was one forty six that says an untold tale from World War Two. So it's possible that I think Joe you might be right. Um, looking at the cover of this, Batman does not have the the yellow oval, right. um, you know, around the bat. 
So it definitely could be a the you know the Earth Two, um, Batman. Yeah, I bet it. I bet it was because they they were pretty uh, pretty much back and forth with the character because like the real famous uh, Catwoman one, you know, is obviously the Golden Age Batman because it's the one they get married in. Yeah. So he went back and forth between the two Batmans. It's just whichever one he had the story to tell. <laughs> well, yeah, he had like Wildcat, and I mean he'd team up with yep. Earth Two all the time. And then he'd go into the past and the future all the time. It didn't matter. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. The Superman one where he goes back and teams up with Rock because he's am- amnesiac. That was that was awesome. Yeah. Like in DC <laughs> yeah. Comics Presents. Yeah. yeah. It was a classic. <clears throat> I sadly read that, that as a grown-up, though, so that doesn't count. <laughs> did either of you – you both said G.I. Joe. Did either of you see a commercial for the comic? Do you all remember that? Did that influence your buying – because I, I was with G.I. Joe from the beginning, so the commercials were just exciting to me to see a commercial for a comic book. But I, yeah, I, I was going to buy it anyway, so it, it didn't really have that effect on me. Yeah, I, didn't, I don't remember ever seeing one. Do you, Joe? I've, I've seen them after the fact. I don't remember them as a kid. I remember the cartoon uh, coming out, and um, I don't remember. The only commercial I remember vividly is Destro with the, the sarcophagi open, and he's pulling the mummy out. That's the only time I remember seeing the comic book commercial. Uh, what was that? Maybe issue like 48, 49, where, he's, where they're getting ready to make Serpentor. And, um, but I think that's the only time I ever saw it. And I was pretty deep in the comic by then because I've been reading it for like 30 plus issues by that point. Right. But Serpentor was a big deal at the time. Oh, yeah. When G.I. Joe came out, I, I was sort of not watching cartoons anymore. I mean, I would still watch Spider-Man and his amazing friends and stuff I was already hooked on, but I was already old enough to say, oh, I'm done with that. So when Transformers and G.I. Joe came on, I, I skipped it. Well, you, you know that in the G.I. Joe cartoon, nobody ever died. Yeah, I know that. They parachuted out. Yeah, they parachuted out. <laughs> That's <laughs> and was, right. <laughs> and it was lasers instead of bullets. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was for me in uh, Turtles. I think I hit that sweet spot right when Turtles was coming out where you're like, I might watch it if I'm not doing anything and eating cereal, but mm, no, nah, I'm going to go out. So <laughs> I kind of a lot of people close to my age will be like, oh, Turtles, Turtles, Turtles. I'm like, eh, I kind of miss the Turtles, except for the early black and white issues. I never got into it. Yeah, yeah. I never did either. Um, I always thought talking animals like I just could, couldn't get into it. And I knew of the turtles, and I started reading the, um, as you said, Joe, the um, black and white. I started with number five, and I was, I was, I was the the snotty or uh, snooty uh, teenager who, when all of a sudden they started appearing in cartoons and stuff, these aren't the turtles. The right. Ninja Turtles <laughs> are this black and white independent comic book. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I, by the by the time I started seeing the turtles they were distinctively different colors like you could right in black and white you obviously couldn't tell and then later on when they came in color they were all red they were all red bandanas as a matter of fact i just read teenage mutant ninja turtle savage dragon and they were all red so like if you don't know their weapons and you don't know their personalities it's tough to (laughs) to tell them apart yeah, that's how I remember telling them apart was the weapons. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't remember. At one time, I knew it, but now all I remember is Raphael had the the size or whatever you, however you pronounce that. I don't know who has the bow and the staff and the sword and all that. Not sword me. is Leonardo. Staff is uh, Donatello. Right. Nunchucks is Mikey. There you go. I just showed my age. <laughs> <laughs> well, I used to be big into them. Number six was my first issue, and I was just like Rob. I was like, they don't eat pizza. That's stupid. Well, they don't you eat know. pizza. <laughs> but, uh, but then I got into the cartoon. I, and I, I felt like it was kind of an alternate Earth Turtles. I can enjoy them both, but the, I preferred the gritty black and white with Eastman and Laird. I was I was pissed off when they quit doing the book themselves and they started having other people do it. My first exposure was the movie. That's oh, how God. far it was. You know, that's that's oh, way on in. But I I like those movies. I'll tell you that. Yeah, yeah they're I, fun. I I love those movies. I've never seen them. You should that's... watch the first one. Yeah. No, yeah, he should he, he shouldn't. He shouldn't. Nope. He doesn't like Christmas Vacation. He won't like it. Christmas Well, no, no. I don't want to spoil it for you, Rob. But one of them does have vanilla ice. That's the that's, that's the second one. The third one. It's the second one. Okay. Because that's Go Ninja Go Ninja Go. Yeah. yeah. Corey Feldman's one of the voices. <clears throat> I don't know if that's going to get Rob to watch it. <laughs> I was going to say that. <laughs> well, he likes the, the, he, he likes the Lost Boys. Hey, man, you should watch The Burbs. That's like the best Corey Feldman movie with uh, Tom Hanks. <laughs> He's in the that, is, that is creepy, though, because that that family that lives in that house, Yeah, man, that's to, that was kind of scary, even though it's a comedy. I love that movie, man. I was watching oh, yeah, the Corey money Feldman's pit. Yeah, Corey like the snotty uh, <laughs> next-door neighbor. Yeah. Yeah. He's basically like the Eddie Haskell of the group. Yeah, there was the Corey Haim and Corey Feldman movies. Oh, yeah, License to Drive. That was yeah. <laughs> Lost Boys being their best, I think. No, no doubt. Lost Boys blew my mind because there was an actual comic book store, and I was like, what? Yeah. Yeah, but they still yeah, that store. Yeah. They could steal anything, and they still sad sack. I mean, come on. Mm. Wait, would that be your first? What do you got? What do you got against sad sack? I don't know. I can't get into it, man. Well, I've that tried. that well, it's, that guy that sold it was like uh he was like a thirty year old biker, <laughs> 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 and he was having a blast reading it in his car before the vampire came and ripped the top off. Beetle Bailey, I guess. <laughs> No, I I, th- I think Guys, my don't my... don't tell Joe I love sad sack. Okay, little be our secret. I think my earliest was uh, GI Combat, um, somewhere around 199, right before they became the dollar issues. And then when they were the dollar issues, that's when I liked them the most because I had a bunch of stories in them. But uh, Sergeant Rock was always better just because I liked. I liked the uh, the Easy Company. Like it wasn't just one guy. Even though that you have the haunted tank and it's the four guys plus the ghost, it, it it was better for me to have a whole unit. And then so the I'll unknown ask a soldier, oh, Star Spangled, War Stories. Those were the three comics that I was getting around the se- around seventy seven and. 
79 I was big into war comics and then I went away from them for a while for a while it was so the arm, right. army men years so since Kirk asked a question I'll ask a follow up to it um what's everybody's as an adult not necessarily as a kid what's your favorite of the DC war books right now if you could only pick like two of them from, from the, the the old classic ones classic sure it could be newer if you like say like one of the recent ones but i was thinking classic yeah yeah i mean i from for me i uh, probably unknown soldier and, and sergeant rock okay i'd go with sergeant rock i'd have to go with unknown soldier probably the haunted tank because i do love me a tank okay thanks I, I I find the one that appeals to me the most as an adult is, is uh, the losers, and I, I think it's because I came to it late. I had never read any of those till the showcase, and that that's definitely one of my favorites. I don't know who I'd pick for the other one since everybody says Rock. I'll probably go with Black Hawk because I always like the the Aviator stuff. Oh, you, <laughs> you if it was the Evanier run, I would say that was the run that like I couldn't miss an issue. Like it yeah. was just it was just. At that point, I I was addicted, so I'm gonna I'm gonna switch my answer to Blackhawk. That's when I wanted to buy monthly war comics. Was right after Crisis when they yeah. launched uh, Camelot 3000 and Blackhawk and Arak and all those strange t- titles. Arion. <laughs> I think that Blackhawk run is probably one of the the most overlooked hidden gems in the DC catalog. Because it just doesn't get any credit. I'd love for it to get reprinted. Well, I think plot-wise, it's 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 like an ongoing plot. Like it, it like Unknown Soldier is kind of a done in one. Right. Uh, GI Combat is sort of a done in one. Sergeant Rock is almost a done in one, but it has like you get to know the characters over time, like what their personalities are, what they're good at. But um, it, it seems like Blackhawk kind of built this ongoing continuity story, and that's what I liked about it. Yeah, it was much more serialized, whereas the others were more marketed for a, a, a one-and-done, here's a 12-page lead story, and then here's a couple of backups. And Blackhawk was like, come back next month. Find out what happens next. Yeah, so, yeah, that's a good point. As a matter of fact, that's, that's the only, like... Uh, when I, I found out about those dolls that Kirk had, I and I there was all these characters: Sergeant Rock, Blackhawk, Enemy Ace. Figures. Well, they were no, they're dolls. They're twelve-inch dolls, man. <laughs> we call them dolls. <laughs> you even dress them like dolls. But uh, <laughs> that was the one figure I I had to have was Blackhawk, and that's the only one I own. So I, I changed my answer from Unknown Soldier <laughs> to Blackhawk. So who's your other one to go with Blackhawk then? What do you mean? You get oh, I said two. two. I said pick two. Oh, then it would be Unknown Soldier. So we can go to the next question if you'd like. Um, but what, Kirk never answered his own question. Oh, did he not? No. Yeah, sir. I thought he said that DC Comics Presents was his first war comic. Oh, was it? 
Well, that was one of my first. The first, oh, okay. I don't know what the first was. There were there are three specific ones that I remember. I got a Sergeant Rock number three hundred three, which was part of a two part story, and it took years before I found the other part. I got a GI Combat two hundred one, which was the first dollar issue, and I also got a stack of probably about fifty. And then my mother went back and bought the other half of the stack, just Bronze Age War comics. And those three things came pretty close together, and I don't remember what was first, but they definitely made me the collector that I am today because that turned it from comics or just another form of entertainment to I want every single one of these I can possibly get. <laughs> I want to change my answer again. <laughs> no, I I want to throw Unknown Soldier out and go with Men of War with Gravedigger. So oh, Gravedigger's great I, 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 I'm going to do Blackhawk and the Gravedigger. That's what I'm going to go with. Nice. For, for the same reasons, because they had like this ongoing thread that I could follow. Yeah, I love Gravedigger. He is, I can't believe they don't try to do something else with him. They did. Fairly recently, he came, he was a dead dead corpse <laughs> that came back. I can't remember what it was in, but it was. I think it was in that uh, eighty page Ward Walmart story. I think Gravedigger was in there. I don't remember that. I'll have to pull that back out. Yeah. But I want some. I want the classic. But it was not, not classic Gravedigger. It definitely was wasn't. You know that wasn't classic Unknown Soldier either. But I thought it was pretty good. That yeah, Christopher Priest story. That was a good story. Mm-hmm. Now it's not. It's not my Unknown Soldier per se. But sure. Yeah, it was. That was definitely a a, a, a good story. I, I I was glad that one was in there. I'm not big on Batwoman being in my war comic, but uh, it was fitting yeah. though. Because well, she was fits, in the military. I'd, I'd, prefer, I'd prefer her in a bat book, and then you can go, oh, by the way, she has a military background, rather than here's a war book, and it's Batwoman. But it wasn't really Batwoman. It was her before. Yeah, it was kind of like when military. Frank Castle was in the NOM. It wasn't yeah. like he was in the Punisher outfit. Yeah. I didn't really like them putting the Punisher in the <laughs> NOM either. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know how you feel about them putting him in the Cosmic Ghost Rider. So. <laughs> I'm just a grouchy old man. I want my stuff pure and simple. <laughs> Frank Castle needs to be in everything. <laughs> All right. Well, who wants to go first? I figured we cover a question and then somebody can go over their book and then we'll cover another question and that kind of thing. I can go. Okay. Um, so I know every time I've ever shown this cover, Kirk has been like, man, I was so mad when this issue came out because it wasn't double-sized. So um, I wonder if he knows what I'm about to do. Scalp Hunter. So no. Scalp Hunter. We're doing war comics. <laughs> it's it's got to be either GI Combat number 200 or Unknown Soldier number 250 would be my guess. Ding, ding, ding on number two. So we're going to be doing Unknown Soldier number 250. And that was by the creative team of Bob Haney, Dick Ayers, and Jerry Tollock. And uh, the issue is called The Traitor Without a Face. So it opens up, and they're in Nuremberg. Hitler, Himmler, and the Unknown Soldier are arm-in-arm. And uh, Himmler is relating how the soldier defected over from the Allies to the Nazis. 
the soldier told him that he was going to join up with him because uh, the way he saw it, Germany was winning the war and he really just wanted to save lives. And the quickest way to save lives would be to switch sides. Um, but the thing that really was the game changer for him was uh, what happened to his friend Sparrow. So um, Sparrow had been sent on this mission and he was uh, supposed to infiltrate a uh, heavy water plant. But while he had done it, he had taken ill. And so the soldier was sent in with a serum uh, to rescue him. But it turns out the serum they gave him actually paralyzed him and uh, made Sparrow a, a vegetable. And uh, when he talked to Churchill, um, the soldier found out the uh, the Sparrow had information that they considered too dangerous to possess. So basically the allies turned him into a vegetable rather than... Um, you know, let him potentially leak out what information he had found out. So that was his two reasons. He wanted to avenge Sparrow and to help end the war. But Himmler, he doesn't quite believe uh, the soldier. He has his doubts about the situation. But Hitler is like full hog on the soldier. He's like, oh, my soldier, you love me. You love your Führer. <laughs> you know, he's all about it. It's like throughout the book. Um, so... Hitler wants to try out uh, the new Panzers just conveniently, and um, they've captured a tank, and it kind of looks familiar, and that's the end of part one. So they come back in. There's a face-off between the Panzer tanks, but uh, it's not quite the route that they thought it was going to be. And, of course, the reason why is this American tank is haunted. So the haunted tank is victorious against the Panzers until the soldier comes out, and he shoots and blows up the tank with a bazooka, and Jeb is hurt really bad. How could that rat betray America? The crew wonders as they narrowly escape. Well, the Nazi trio then heads to Paris, and that's, like I say, Himmler, Hitler, and uh, the soldier, and they're going to get the sword of Napoleon. And uh, as they're getting the sword from Napoleon's uh, grave, out jumps Marie, and I can't do this. I'm going to try. <laughs> <laughs> Kill the traitorous soldier. Undercover Germans catch her in a crossfire. I must escape to the Empire of Death. So, um, once again, Himmler still doesn't trust the soldier. So he's going to frame him. So he starts sending out code to the Allies, but he makes it look like uh, the soldier was actually the one sending out uh, this code. Uh, Hitler and the soldier are still all buddy-buddy. Let's go into my boat, you know, and they're off in a U-boat, and uh, they're attacked by my favorites, Captain Storm and the Losers. And, of course, the U-Bite makes uh, short work of the losers because, I mean, they're the losers. We're really the losers this trip. Well, we still got an ace up our sleeves. And, of course, that ace is Lieutenant Johnny Cloud. The P-51 Mustang breaks through the clouds. But, of course, the Nazis destroy the plane because these are the losers. Uh, and it looks like Hitler is killed. So later there's a tribunal. Uh, and Himmler blames the soldier, saying the reason that uh, Hitler was killed during this uh, exercise was because he had been communicating with the Allies. I sent no such message. Silence, Hund! I, Heinrich Himmler, am now ruler of Germany! What, you chicken farmer? So the man who had killed had actually been a dumble. Hitler's alive. One more disloyal move and is the, the meat hook for you? The losers hear that. Their plan had failed. That soldier is a bigger traitor than Benedict Arnold. Hitler then tells the soldier that he's now my number one hero. Hitler has developed a solution to the war and it's called the Hellfog. 
So this is the part that kind of gets a little bit unpleasant. Um, so it's been kind of light and as much as a book about Hitler and Heimler. Which, uh, which, is, Himmler, which issue is this again? 250. 250? Mm-hmm. Uh, unknown Soldier? Yeah. Okay. It seems like it has everybody. I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. It's a regular sized anniversary issue with everybody crammed into 22 pages. Wow. Yeah, there's, more to, there's more to come, buddy. Um, so, so like <laughs> there's I say, more to come. So it seems like I say pretty light. And then this is the part where it kind of gets, I, I want to be serious for a second and I'm not trying to be funny or anything, but anyway, so they go to the fortress and uh, they're going to chest out this hell fog. And this is the part that I don't know. It kind of doesn't sit great with me. Cause I mean, this is, you know, like I say, it's been kind of an adventure little thing and then it gets a little close to home. Well, not that I've dealt with this, but for, you know, anybody who's watched some of the war atrocities, it's not really pleasant. So they go and they inject this hell fog into a glass cage. And the men that are in this cage are obviously dressed. They don't call them uh, concentration camp. Uh, uh, what would you say? Prisoners, whatever. But they he calls them, I think, workers. But they're obviously they've got that famous kind of striped uh, outfit that you think of the almost pajama looking outfits. Yeah. And anyway this hell fog gets inserted into the cage they're in and they melt. And it's like I say, just thinking about, you know, all the stuff that they actually did do in the concentrate concentration camp. It's, it's pretty disturbing. And just think like Raiders of the lost Ark. You literally see like the, the flesh melting away on them. So anyway, that's the big thing is this hell fog. And uh, we find out it's going to be ready to be used in about 48 hours. So, while all this is going in, we see a group of men parachuting in. Let's go, Easy. We've got to go nail us a traitor. Rock and Easy meet up with some strange GIs. And uh, Rock's like, I don't know about these guys. But when he starts talking to them, they remember this mission in North Africa. So, he goes, oh, okay, you guys must be okay. Well, no, they're not. They're actually Nazis, and they're surrounded and captured. So, um, the soldier confronts Rock. And it tells them that Operation Extermination is set to begin. So um, we uh, flash to the scientist who's developing the Hell's Fog, and we see someone shoot him down. But you only see, like, the gun. You don't know who actually did it. So then we go back to where the uh, Rock and Easy are imprisoned, and um, the soldier says to the guard, you know, I got to take the Easy Company off to be executed. And he's like, yeah, yeah, go ahead. And so he, he gets all of them and they're following him. And uh, Easy uh, Company is following him. Rock uh, is following him. And soldier says, here's your weapons. They're hidden behind this bunker. And Rock doesn't buy it. He's like, you're a traitor. This is crap. So they start fighting. And uh, soldier pulls out a ripped dollar bill. And Rock had been given a dollar, half of a dollar bill as well. And he was told, whoever has the dollar bill on this mission, you just listen to what they say. So, obviously, Soldier is uh, under deep cover. The Fuhrer is brokenhearted when he finds out the Soldier is uh, helping the Rock and Easy Company escape. Nine, nine, it cannot be. It must not be. Not my Soldier. But Soldier tells Rock that his order is to complete their mission and he had to go under deep cover, so everyone but Tomahawk would be after him. Um, but, you know, Tomahawk's dead, so I don't know what that's all about. You um, don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> so the mission was to capture the, the fog, but Rock is really concerned with what the military is going to do with it. War is hell, but that junk is worse. And as Easy Company flies away, Soldier is contemplative, 
and he thinks about what Rock has said to him, and he decides to jump the hell fog into a fire. And then David Banner style, he walks sadly off into the sunset, alone and unknown once again. The end. Do 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 do. <laughs> so it, yeah, it literally really had everybody but Tomahawk in it. It was it was good stuff. Tell me that didn't deserve to be a double sized issue. Well, <laughs> did Unknown usually have a backup? That would be the one thing I would say is typically he had a backup, I'm pretty yeah. sure. And so they yeah, took yeah. the backup out to give it extra story pages, if that helps. He had enemy ace in there, I thought. Yeah, so so it, it, I, I get what you're saying, but they, they did give it extra pages. But yeah, it would have been cool if it had been even bigger. Mm-hmm. That was a good one. Yeah, I liked it a lot. I was uh, going through uh, the issues I hadn't read yet, and that was one of them. And once I read that one, I was like, well, I know Kirk always talks about this one. So I figured it would either give him a, an excuse to be happy or aggravated, maybe a little well, bit of I, I love the issue. I mean, I, I was always thrilled when even one character would cross over or guest star. So to get them all was wonderful. But then I started thinking about how Marvel, like Fantastic Four 200, is a double-sized issue and all these other anniversary issues are double and triple sized. Why? Why are my DC characters not getting the same special treatment? Oh yeah, no doubt. If it was now, it'd be two fifty, be nine ninety nine, and it'd have more characters than Crisis <laughs> on Infinite Earths. Right. <laughs> yep. We got any um, another question you want to pose? Uh, yeah. Let me uh, find the next one. Uh, please rank the members of Easy Company from best to worst. Oh God, that's a hard one. <laughs> well, why don't we Why don't we do it like a round round table? So like, Kirk could start off, and then we'll go from there. Well, I, when I read that question, I think I chose it like, who would I want in the foxhole with me outside of outside of Rock? And I think my first choice would probably be Little Sure Shot. That's a good pick. My my first one would be Sergeant Rock. <laughs> I'll take Bulldozer. You're going to take Bulldozer, huh? Sorry. Okay, I'll take Ice Cream Soldier. <laughs> that would have been my second one. Then I'll take Bulldozer. <laughs> <laughs> well, dang it. I'll take Jackie Johnson then. I like Jackie a lot, too. Yeah, Jackie would have been my, my next choice. Dang it! Okay, four eyes. Oh, wait, wait. Oh, so you, you took Jackie Johnson? Who took Jackie? I just don't yep. want to take anybody's top pick, so I... I no, my, my top pick would be uh, outside of the Sarge. I assumed he was excluded, but Mike says he's he's taking him, so we I fumbled that draft pick. I'll just, <laughs> I'll just take little sure shot. He went for the defense instead of the quarterback in the first round. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know anything about this fantasy draft stuff. <laughs> I just was trying not to step on even no, his toes. No, so, so, so I have Sergeant Rock. You have little sure shot. That's that's Kirk. Rob was bulldozer. Who who did you have first? I said Ice Cream Soldier was my who was okay, I was going to take, soldier. but then Kirk he said really he wanted him. No, no, he can't. You, you, that's this is a draft. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So, so uh, I'll take Ice Cream Soldier. So, 
you're at you're at the top now, Kirk. This is your next draft. You have little sure shot in this in the foxhole with you. My next pick would be Jackie Johnson. Jackie Johnson. He's All right, so I'm next. Gold gloves fighter. He's gonna punch out some Nazis if we get into hand to hand. And an easy <laughs> That's company. What I'm you always I'll, get into hand to hand. I'll take Wild Man. So okay. you're you're up. Uh, who's next? Was it oh. Rob? I think Rob. Oh yeah. me? I I don't know any anyone else's name now. You got you got four eyes left. You got Bogman. You got hothead. I've never heard of any of these guys. Long round, short round. You know what? No, I no, I, I take that back. I knew four eyes. I okay. might as well take him because he's the only one that I've ever heard of. <laughs> That's who <laughs> I was gonna take next. Um, I will take. Crap! What did they call? What did they call? Uh, Superman when he was in that one issue. <laughs> was he tag along? <laughs> I don't remember he? what it was called. Oh yeah, I remember tag along Super with somebody, so I'll take tag along. <laughs> wow, so you got Superman. That's not, yeah. the the whole tide has changed now. I thought I had the best the best pick, but I forgot that he was part of. Yeah, Easy Superman company. was with the company for one issue. Yes, he was, but he was in there. That's the that's a damn good pick. You, you seem to protect well, I, I, I think Joe just won the draft. Might <laughs> have, yeah. I thought I had it. <laughs> well, there was Worry Wart. There was uh, Farmer well, there Boy. Was Zach the Bazooka Man who lost his arm. I think yeah. he got replaced by Short Round and Long Round. Was uh, oh. Did anybody pick Tin Soldier? Was G.I. Robot one? Not At one time? Problem. Not an easy. He might have teamed up with him. Yeah, Robot joined the Creature Commandos. Yeah. Hothead, he's a flamethrower. I'll take Clutch. <laughs> it's not G.I. Joe. Man, oh, you're, taking, you're taking Clutch. I'm taking, um, oh, what was what was the oh, guy who well, took Robot Cole's place who hung out with Duke? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't do good, Kirk. I didn't do a good job. If I was gonna pick anyone, that I picked Clutch instead of like Snake Eyes or Scarlet. <laughs> Robot. That's always what I'll take. the ninja first, right? <laughs> nah, I, I'll take Roadblock. He's big and he's got a big gun. There you go. <laughs> and he's a gourmet chef. That's true, and he can feed you. That well, make Kirk be happy. My next one is Torpedo Fist. So <laughs> there. Torpedo fist? <laughs> yeah. He was part of Big Jim's pack. Oh, I was right. going to say, I missed that issue. <laughs> uh, what was the one with the bullet for a head? I'll take him. <laughs> oh, Bullet, bullet Man. Man. <laughs> yeah, Bullet Man. <laughs> Rob, Rob Liefeld's putting him in that Snake Eyes series. He had that yeah. ape-looking guy and uh, Bullet Man. Nice. Really? Yeah. That excites me because that 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 he's putting he's putting, he's putting yeah he's putting the original GI Joe dolls into this the series. Man, if you can take any seventies dolls, I'll take a uh, Godzilla with the shooting fist. There you go. <laughs> That's a good one. I'll take a Shogun warrior. Uh, yeah, I'll take, I'll any take of their the names. aliens. Uh, the alien uh, figure. The alien. 
Yeah. The Xeomorph. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> okay. I know this isn't a Marvel podcast, but who's excited about when the aliens meet the brood? Okay, I am. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the original versus the rip, The ripoff. Yeah, I'm excited uh. for that. <laughs> that never even occurred to me. <laughs> well, it, I hadn't thought of that one either. Man, I can't believe I didn't think of Superman. That is Mike's gonna lose sleep. Tonight. You can't. You instead can't of, go. You can't go wrong with that because he was. I forgot that story. He he was part of Easy for one issue. It was a fun story too. Yeah. All right. Well, that was who one wants of the to... first comics I bought, and I got it signed by Joe Staten at Heroes Con a few years ago. Nice. He got excited and said that's the only time he ever drew the Sarge. Well, he did a fine job. That's a good issue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we had fun with that question. Who wants to go next? I can go. Okay. You're up, um, Rob. All right. <clears throat> so I'm going uh, to... I'm glad gonna I was cover able to... cover Farmer Boy. No, no. I was, uh, I'm glad I was able to get you guys together because I read a comic book today and I wanted to tell you all about it. What was it? Star Spangled War Stories. Ah, so presents, it's an unknown soldier. No, heard, presents Enemy title. Ace, number 148. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Did you cry, Rob? Did you cry? Close your ears, Mike. Why? I like this story. Why am right I not going to like it? Superman's right in on it? The cover. Right on the cover. Shotzi! I can't do a German. Maybe uh, I could read this and then joke and repeat in German. <laughs> <laughs> My good luck symbol is gone, and so am I. His play, enemy ace's plane is upside down and falling. Oh my is, god, it looks like my puppy falling out. This is horrible. Yeah, a little puppy with a broken arm. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So what we have here is is this stray puppy is just ambling along and finds itself on the um, the runway. Um in the German uh, field during World War One, and uh, all the planes come in to land, and enemy ace, uh, Baron Hans von Hammer, uh, actually runs over the puppy's arm. <sighs> and uh, and he couldn't, and, and he saw it dash, but of course, there's no way to stop what kind the, of, the What kind of story are you bringing to the show, man? You know I am with hurting dogs. Come on, man. This is a a fantastic comic, but it will tear your heart out. So there it is, the poor puppy lying on the ground. An enemy ace jumps out of his plane, and he says, Mein Gott, there's a little dog lying on the ground. I couldn't help help it. Didn't even see until it was too late. And he uh, picks it up. It's still alive, and he's just got a a little bit of a broken leg. So... um, he he says he's going to take him back in and and, and uh, bandage him up, and the rest of his crew are just like staring at him with their mouths open wide. They can't believe that this is <clears throat> the famous you know Von Hammer, who is nursing a puppy back to health, uh, even to the point of him letting the puppy sleep in his bed. And the the panel just before uh, Enemy Ace falls asleep as he says, 
Uh, you will stay with me, Shotzi. Tomorrow you must go on your own way, as I must on mine. In the dawn of the next day, all of his men are ready to um, get in their airplanes and fly. And who do you think has a puppy tucked inside of his coat? Yes, enemy AC has not let the puppy go his own way. He's bringing him with him. So he said it's going to be the, their good luck charm. Uh, and so there's, a, of course, a huge aerial um, battle um, and the, uh, against the English. And uh, one, of, one of his crew, one of the five planes, um, bites the dust, but the rest are able to complete their mission. And they're able to um, shoot down the enemy English planes, and they attribute that to um, the luck from from Shotzi. As a matter of fact, in this particular um, fight, uh, there's uh, th this one town is is just totally up in smoke, and it's clear that the English are planning a trap because they're flying through this um the smoke that you can't see through um but he said you know von hammer knows that it's it's a trap but he's like i'm gonna I'm, we're going through anyhow and on the other side of it is a huge battleship and that's what's been destroying the town not the small um fighter fighter planes um and so he manages to get the other the english planes on his tail and he flies right up to the battleship and actually flies sideways through a couple of its smokestacks, and nobody can fly uh, like von von Hammer. So these English planes hit the smokestacks. Obviously, they explode, but it also takes the battleship down um, with them. And so this is how they were successful in this particular battle. Um, and they fly back, and you know he says. You know, everyone starts congratulating him, and he's much more subdued, saying, you know, uh, how will you uh, congratulate um, Joseph? Uh, he went down in flames. And uh, so he spends the evening out in the woods where apparently he's friends with a black wolf, and the black wolf and Shotzi, the, the puppy, kind of make friends with each other. And the next morning, he comes comes back to the airfield for their next mission. And uh, it's much the same in terms of, uh, uh, you know, uh, more uh, enemy fighters and uh, him and his crew. And he thinks he has um, kind of the, the bead on, on one of the fighters in front of him, but Shotzi starts barking and he doesn't know why. And he turns around and there's a British plane right behind him in the kill position. So in order to get um, to get away, he kind of yanks the um, what do you, what do you call it? Um, uh, the, the yoke. Yes, thank you. The yoke, and he actually does like almost like a you know goes around in a circle upside down um, uh, to get away from from the uh, from the fighter fighter plane, and somehow Shotzi gets loose from his uh, from enemy Ace's um, jacket, and he just starts falling to the ground and uh von hammer reaches out screaming for the dog's name but he's not able to to grab um the dog it's just way too far out of reach and uh that he's just it, you've never seen him this angry um 
and he becomes a, a complete madman, and he shoots down four, five, six planes all by himself, just going through planes like you've never seen before. And he orders the rest of his troops, or I'm sorry, the rest of his squad to uh, go back to their home base and land and that he will be, um, he will be back. Uh, they didn't know why he was, he was, um, it looked like he was actually landing and they didn't know why. And sure enough, there he is on, on a scorched battlefield with um, destroyed airplanes all over the place. And he's and finally, after some searching, he says, there he is, poor little one. And he goes and, and buries Shotzi and he mm-hmm. says, farewell. So, Kirk, you knew this one as soon as I said the, the number, huh? Yeah, that that's one of the books that if, you know, we were talking about would the, were the first ones be your greatest ones. That was that was in that first stack of comics my mom bought me at the Goodwill. That uh-huh. I, would, I would put in my top ten, maybe my top five of, of most powerful stories. Yeah, it was it was a good one. I, I really didn't know what to expect, never having read it before. I, I almost thought that some something miraculous was going to happen, and you know, obviously, very grounded in reality, um, as probably these 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 war comics should be. Um, that did not happen. There is a quick backup story. Um, it, it, it's funny because this is now a, a, another World War One story with the biplanes, um, but from the English point of view, um, from uh, Captain Roy Brown. And they were hot on the tail of the of Germany's Red Knight, and so it's a whole story of them uh, performing uh, aerial battle against the Red Knight, and they finally end up um, they end up shooting him down, and uh, they dropped uh, the Roy Roy ends up dropping a, s- a cylinder with a message onto the um, the um, airfield, the German air airfield, and it actually and it has a little message saying, you know. Um, that he's he was killed in combat and buried with full military honors uh, in, in terms of this this um, uh, red uh, knight. Uh, so it, that that one was okay. It's just short, but um, it, it's just funny that they had a similar thing, but on the other side in terms of that foe. You know, he's flying the same, almost like the same sort of plane as enemy ace and and everything else. But um, yeah, this that, Kirk, you're right. That first story. Uh, very, very touching. And, and uh, Mike, I apologize when I pulled this out at eight o'clock t- uh, this evening to read, I had no idea that this is what the story was going to be, <laughs> <laughs> but it was very good. It was very good. It was touching, obviously sad, but a very good story. En- Enemy Ace uh, is one of my favorites. Uh, the only problem I ever run into it is I don't, I can't read a lot of them at once because I tend to not a- to not appreciate it enough if I do Mm -hmm. Um, because I find that, you know, there's always the wolf scene and there's always usually like a scene with the, is it an Eagle Kirk? Um, I don't remember the Eagle. Oh, I thought there was always a bird in it too, but I, I, and because like there are, they're similar enough that I, I I like to savor those. So I I tend to read so I haven't made to this made it to this one yet in the showcase, but man, that sounds like good stuff is ahead. Yeah, oh, it's, a, it's a gut punch, and, it, and yeah. the, the fact that you know here's the the hammer of hell, who's a legendary human killing machine, and then after Shotzi, after he loses him, he goes on a rampage like has never been seen before. So you know, uh, John Wick, 
He's a, legend, <laughs> he's a legendary killer already, and now right. he's amped it up a knot to get revenge for losing his dog. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 good stuff. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to search that one out because I know I've got it. All right, great. next question. This is from Jason in Hawaii. If you guys can retire now, what part of the comic book industry field would you work in? Such as work in a comic shop, CGC, Signature Witness. God, I'd hate that job. A uh, Comic-Con <laughs> promoter. <laughs> when I retire, for me, it's going to be easy. I'm going to still be a fan. I'm just going to be more of a fan because I'm going to read more. I don't want to be part of the industry and consider it work. I don't want to. I want to just sit back and enjoy I might write and write more comics and spend a couple thousand in a Kickstarter and make a hundred dollars off of them. But other than that, I don't think I'd want to work. No, I don't think I would want to be, um, I don't think I'd want to actually work in the, in any, any type of part of the industry. If I had to pick something, I, I think it could be fun, but I, I kind of agree. It, it, you don't really want to get too deep in my, you know, in my hobby or my passion in terms of being that my job. But I think it would be kind of cool to actually work for like a, a CGC or um, what's the other one, CBCS, uh, as as an actual grader. That would be that would be cool to see all those comics coming in, and that you you actually get to go get to actually go through them. I I, I don't I don't know if I'd out. like that because you'd have to wear gloves and you have to be all super protective because it's somebody else's property. Yep. Like you'd have to worry about it. That'd give me anxiety. Like, Oh, if I sneeze, I, well, maybe if I have a mask cause of COVID, it'll be okay. <laughs> but if I don't and we're out of COVID and I sneeze on their book, I don't want to be responsible. I think it would be something that would be really fascinating and fun to do for like a day or a week. And then, <laughs> then I'm off. I'm, I'm not. I'm not continuing to do it. But just to experience and see all those, all those comics that come in and and actually how they go through it, it would be kind of fun. In retirement, <laughs> I'd like to be an editor for a year of DC Comics, and I, I'd like to say AT&T, fuck off for a while. Let me do what I, <laughs> let me do what I want to do, and then I can like craft uh, a bunch of war books and stuff and fail miserably in the industry and then get fired after a year, but I'm going to have fun doing it. Um, romance comics could come back, make a comeback and, uh, war comics and I'd go broke and then get fired at the end of the year, but I would have fun doing it. <laughs> there you go. I'll, I'll you. jump off of, uh, off of Rob's a little, uh, I always used to joke if there was any job I could do here in, uh, Iowa, it would be go work at, uh, write stuff and that's an anime and, and manga distributor and basically just working in the factory I, not the factory in the warehouse i thought would be fun just because you'd see all the stuff coming in but i'm going to jump a little off rob's and say do an intake at mycomicshop.com or a big distributor like that I, I always think some of the social media posts they do are so much fun where they're like oh look what just came in it'll be like a stack of like <laughs> 20 young bloods number one or um there was like i remember uh, I can't remember what it was. It was one of the gold key movie adaptations where like, this is probably only going to be a, a G, but ha ha ha. And it's like where someone had like drawn something funny on the cover. So <laughs> I think doing intake on 
uh, at one of those big uh, warehouses where you would see all these comics coming in and you wouldn't have to grade, grade them like as stringently as you would like the CGC, but you know, you still would be determining kind of their value and you get to see what everybody's uh, traded in. So I think that could be kind of fun. Yeah. I, I think if you had the, the way they grade comics, which I think is, uh, at least in my opinion, it's always one grade lower than I think the grade is, then I wouldn't be so stressed out about grading it. In other words, if I think it's very fine, give it a fine. If I think it's right. fine, then it's a VG slash F. You know what I mean? I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't feel bad grading like that, but uh, I wouldn't want the pressure of the CGC thing. That I would think be, I would that... be more like, like Mike and just be more of a fan for the most part. My hope is that when we do retire, which we'll probably have less money, so that would be even harder to do, but just go to different areas and just bend dive. You know, I, I see people like Aaron Meyer saying, I picked this up today. I met this guy in the parking lot and bought this box. Where he, I that's not fun what he does, that. though. That. He he goes to the extreme of meeting people at these hotels that it looks like there's a drug deal going on. It's like, <laughs> you, do, do any then, of and, you guys follow Chris Ian? Uh, yeah, no. yeah. Uh, Ace Comics. Oh, oh, I'd yeah, love yeah, to yeah. like be the quarter bins well, or he is because I don't know if you ever look at his bada bins, but his are freaking insane. I always joke with him like. Wherever you are, the wall books are like Bad Rock and Company, and the quarter bin books are like Camelot 3000. Because his his quarter bin books are always like Bronze Age or 80s DC or something like I either never see or it's like, you know, five, six dollars in the bin. So he always pulls great stuff. And yeah, he doesn't have to go, like, go meet somebody in an alley to do it. He just goes to the record store or wherever and buys them. So well, screw we it. move we, to Arizona. If we're, if, if we're thinking outside the box... I'd like to have a Food Network show where we, we we fly to every city and buy comics and then have a great meal and then talk about the meal and, and the go. comic books we bought. Oh, my God. That would be And get an paid for it and we're on TV. Show. Yeah. I think that's a brilliant idea, Mike. I mean, that's a fantastic comic idea. Comic book men can be a hit on AMC. We can do this. <laughs> We'll call it Ben Hunters. Yeah, Ben Hunters. And we just fly, and then after we're done buying comics, we go have drinks and a, nice dinner. And a nice dinner. Yes. At a cool then, restaurant we haven't eaten at before. Ooh, and we only get 50 bucks, and we get to see who comes in with the best loot. Yeah, that's right. And then oh, a my year, God. This sounds, drop. And then this a year. so cool that I would just watch this show. <laughs> it, even, like, if it was just a bunch of strangers, that would be amazing to watch on TV. Well, it combines two of my favorite things, comic books and food. So. food. Right? <laughs> I'll be the one who's like, I got the full run of Youngblood, and you guys are like, you're an idiot. <laughs> no, I, 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 I would be I would be there you with I'll you. I'll be in the corner excited because we completed our run of Boris the Bear. <laughs> right. <laughs> I got the Nickatat issue. <laughs> I only have one of those, by the way, if anybody ever finds any. Okay, moving on. <laughs> if I had to choose one real job in the comic industry, I think it would be like con promoter because I'd love to, you know, just bring the people in that I want to get my books signed by and not necessarily who the hot artist is, but I don't, I don't see anybody hiring me to do that. I, I can see you of all of us doing that the best though, because you like to be 
into that more than anybody like get it signed or get get a, a commission or you know you're, i think you're more into that than any of us yeah I, my <laughs> wife says that the word is obsessed yeah because yeah i think that's for me, not even on my radar usually yeah, except for what you show me the, um, the thing, cause there's cool stuff out there but yeah i never even think about it till i, I see stuff for me, being at the con is like less and less every year. I'm like more hanging out with friends more outside of the con than I am in the con, personally. Um, I spend a good two hours at the beginning and maybe a little bit after lunch and a, and then after dinner. But uh, yeah, it's more about being with my friends than seeing creators anymore. So... Uh, we finished another question. Who wants to do another comic? You want to go, Kirk, or do you want me to go? I can go. Okay. I wanted to pick something that I was pretty sure you guys wouldn't wouldn't cover, and obviously I wanted it to be a war book in honor of War Comics Month. So I chose Showcase Number Three from July August 1956, and it is The Frogmen. And we open up on a full page splash by my favorite Russ Heath of frogmen diving while a Nazi ship launches depth charges. As the charges explode, one of the frogmen flashes back to his training, and then he flashes further back to his childhood. He was bullied for being small, and a doctor had recommended swimming as a way for him to build up his muscles. Because of this, he ends up volunteering for frogmen training. There are, he is now going to be known as Sardine because of his size, and he meets up with two fellow frogmen who go by shark and whale. As you might imagine, they're a little bit bigger than him. Sardine, shark, and whale go through training together. Sardine is able to keep up, though he continues to be mocked for being so small. They often offer to carry him to the finish line. During a training exercise, Sardine takes on an actual shark to save shark and whale. Together, they, they defeat the shark, and because of their teamwork, their commanding officer decides to keep them together and assign them to the same outfit. On board a DC-4 heading to the Pacific, they see an American ship taking fire. They radio for help, but are also shot down. Our team is rescued and given their first assignment. The men must take out an enemy position. They're parachuting to their target, and they are attacked by a Japanese Zero. They defeat the Zero with sticks of dynamite, but draw the attention of a destroyer. They dive into the water and head to their objective. The target is guarded by a submarine. Shark plants a charge on the sub and is engaged by an enemy frogman. His charge destroys the sub, but Sardine and Whale advance alone. When they get closer to the target, the enemy cruiser sends out more enemy frogmen to, to fight the, the boys. Whale sends Sardine ahead to the target while he engages the enemy. Sardine plants the charge and battles a lone enemy frogman. The charge separates the combatants. Sardine starts to head back and is joined by Whale. He's alive, and soon Shark joins them as Whale. The unit is reunited. They decide that Sardine is no longer a sardine. He's a king-sized frogman. <laughs> this was a, a, a full-length issue by Russ Heath, and I didn't, really, I didn't expect it to be full-length, so that was a pleasant surprise. Now, now do you own this? I own this, yes. Now, do you happen to have the, the, the next issue? <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I did, 
did have a guy when I first started doing mail order offer to trade me two of his war comics if I found a copy of that. Which two, though? It, my choice. Oh, okay. But uh, Hey, Rob, you can get Showcase Presents, Showcase Presents, and uh, just read it all. That's, yeah, that's true. Of course, it's in black and white. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was just curious. That's, that, that, that's still a hell of a book to own. I mean, just, just thinking yeah, that no it's doubt. right next to their, the start of the Silver Age, man. Yep. You're like, like right there at the cusp of. Is number the two the, the Fireman age. one? Number yeah. one is. Number one. Number one is. Yeah, I've got number. I've got number two. I don't have number four. No, no. Let me, Kirk. Kirk do, do you have it there with you right now? Number three. Well, it's in the other room. I've oh. got it. I've got. I it was just house. wondering if, like, on the, you know, as you turn the pages and, and you get to the last page, if it has, like, you know, next issue. No, it doesn't. It doesn't mention the next issue. Oh my God! Would that be cool though? The, ne- the first next appearance issue, of the new Flash, new superhero, or new new version of an old hero, or something like that. Yeah. that right. No, I. You know, I didn't even think about that when I was reading it. But there's nothing like that. Uh, it's, it's essentially there would be no difference in this and just a random issue of Star Spangled War Stories or one of the others from the period. The only thing that really makes it stand out is that it's a full length issue. Because back then that was kind of rare. Did these characters have a follow-up appearance, or is this pretty much it? As far as I know, that uh, I, I don't re- I don't remember reading about sardine, shark, and whale, and anything else. But this is a nice copy you've got here. It's not bad at all. I'm pretty I'm pretty pleased with it. I bought this thing years ago, back probably before the second kid came around and took made sure I didn't have any money. <laughs> Oh, it looks beautiful. <laughs> yeah, Russ Heath and underwater DC books is a, is a nice mix. Yeah, I'm, I was wondering, did the editor who you know go, you know what, Russ did a great job on that Frogman. Let's give him Sea Devils. Right. Those Sea Devil covers are amazing. Yeah, that is a good looking book. I really like those Sea Devil covers. That was the I own one Sea Devil cover that's in the uh, the IRS collection, so I'm very proud of it. Oh, I, I love that it when comes you with the, the certificate. It has the IRS certificate in the back. Yeah, it's so cool. <laughs> I mean, the whole story of it is just odd. You know that this guy was using he was laundering money from the IRS on dead people, basically. For a long time. And and then that one dealer, I forget what his name is, the one dealer we see at all the cons is the one that busted him because he went to go check on a check that he wrote and he said, oh, this, this something ain't right here. And uh, he, he, was, he was basically uh, taking money from dead people. Wasn't Chuck Rosansky, was it? No, it was uh, Lee... Somebody Lee. Lee's comics? Yeah, I think so. Harley Yee? Yeah. Uh-huh. Now, Harley Yee specializes in some high-end stuff, so that that might have been him. Lee's yeah, if, if, you, if you look at it, you'll, you'll find him. Like, he's the guy that found out that it was not legit. I mean, he, I don't know how he tied it, because he would have gotten paid... Because he was still, 
paying people for these books. It just I don't remember how how he found out because I think it had to do with the name of somebody that was dead. Mm. I remember reading about must have been in the comics buyer's guide. I remember reading about that going on and thinking, wow. And then, of course, I was thinking if I was ever going to commit a crime, that would be it. (laughs) (laughs) Embezzling something to to buy high end comic books. Well, he had it. He had that guy, too, had like this weird refrigeration system set up to keep them in like this pristine state like he had the right temperatures the right humidity and all kinds of stuff it was very very unusual and he was like a total introvert and he never whatever happened he never served jail time so that's even more fascinating but um, do you guys ever read simpsons number one i don't think i have i i did simpsons comics yeah, that sounds like the guy in the uh, Homer's playing in the flip side of uh, Simpsons number one because it literally has him like in almost like a, a refrigerator going through looking at all his pristine comics. I mean, it, I, I I read it when it came out, but you know that was a long. Time it might have inspired it. I mean, it was that, that's what I'm wondering it because as you're describing it, it sounds just exactly like that Simpsons number one, the Homer story on the flip side. Yeah, I didn't know anything about it until I had the certificate and then I went and did research and I'm like, wow, this is fascinating. When I picked that out of a bin at my shop, I don't even think he knew what it was. Like, I don't think he knew the certificate was on the other side. No, when you tweeted that picture with the certificate, it like, I, I could remember reading that article and just thinking, wow. Yeah. And wondering what all did he buy? You know? Yeah, that was a gem. I, I wonder if, I wonder if I searched hard enough in those bins if there's another one like it. If he has one, he if he has one, he might have another. You know, right? I I would want one just to, just for the oddity of it to have the, especially if it had the certificate. Yeah, because <laughs> that story was such a big deal to me. It's like DB Cooper for, for some other people, <laughs> yeah. the man who embezzled from the IRS. To, yeah, to, to get books. to buy comic books. <laughs> Take that, tax man. Yeah. So we got another question. Let's do two questions because uh, uh, we're getting close to the end here. Um, Shane from Australia uh, says, "Are you doing? Are you looking forward to DC Future State series? These are like sort of the the January and February books that are coming out from DC." That seemed like they were going to be a lot of Elseworlds, but I think the I intent think was they're going to look, be 5G. I think they look very interesting for the most part. Um, you know, I mean, it's, it, it's 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 a two month. It's it's going on for two months, and then I, I I don't know. You know, are we just getting everything just exactly as it was two months prior, or, or is some changes going to happen, or whatever? I know that. Like you said, this is kind of like what the 5G what was was supposed to be. Now it's just a two-month event. But a, a lot of it, I think, looks pretty interesting. Um, Mike, I will say that I was a little bit disappointed that DCBS just continued not to have a, a bundle for um, the future state books. Yeah, I was hoping it would uh, be a 50%, so, yeah. Yeah, so I actually uh, I, I picked and, 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 and I did a pick and choose. 
Um, I, I got a lot of them, but I, I'm not I'm not going all in. Um, I'll, I'll the ones that I'm not going to buy, I'll, I'll read on on the app when they when they come in six months. But I'm still getting probably no three months. They changed the app three in, ja- months? in January. Yeah, starting January, their timeline is every new books are put out every three months. Oh, that's crazy. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah so Mar- probably, Marvel too. Marvel's going to do the same. I did not realize that. Yeah. I'm, that. That's awesome. So I'm getting quite a few of them. Um, more than half for sure, but uh, the rest I'll just I'll just read when when they come out because uh, you know it's it, I don't know it, it, it's nothing that I need need to actually have for all of them, but a lot of them look interesting. I think the Wonder Woman looks kind of the new Wonder Woman looks interesting to me. Yeah, I always like I like whether it's in continuity or not. Um, I think it's going to be like a cool, a cool break, and I think it's a good time to do it because the sales in January and February are the worst. So, like, if you're going to launch something new to try to put something out, might as well do it then because you're you're taking less of a risk. You're you're, you're not competing with much because people stop buying comics in December. January and February, so I, I think it's an interesting idea to put out there. Um, I feel sorry for the shops though who have to try to order these things, uh, especially <laughs> was... at a seven ninety nine, you know, uh, cover price because I don't think they can guess. Oh, this guy gets Batman and Detective. Well, will they want these books? Because some of the people that they pull for might not want it at seven ninety nine. Right. Yeah, so uh, I, I feel I feel for them having to try to sort of guess, but but at the same time, it might be a speculator ha- haven because there's going to be a lot of first appearances. So mm-hmm. um, it, it's one of those things that you you don't know. But yeah, I'm always excited for. I like change. I. It, I like when things get sh- shaken up because I know it'll end up going back to some state that we all know at some point. And I, I like going around on the journeys, so I'm, I'm, I'm good with it. Yeah. What do you guys think? I try to be positive, so I'm not really going to say my deepest thoughts other than I'll, I'll be taking a couple of months off. <laughs> okay. <laughs> No, I want to know your deepest thoughts. Why, what, what do you yeah, not I like just, about I, it? I just don't like the, I just valid, don't like the bad mouth stuff. I'm just I'm not interested. I feel like DC does this to us like every other year. They take a couple of months off and they put out something, and it ends up being a really cheap collection that books a million in about a year and a half. And if I'm interested, then I'll read it. See, yeah. I don't like being negative. But well, it's not negative. You're just not excited for it. Yeah, I'm just not into yeah, it. Yeah, the question is, are we looking forward to it? So yeah. Not really. I'm, I'm not. I'm not quite as low as Joe, but I'm. I'm not looking forward to it. I. I think I. I pre-ordered one with Dan Mora artwork because I really like his art, and <laughs> one of them had a Lee Weeks cover, who I absolutely love. So I ordered that. But that initial Dan Mora art was gorgeous. Yeah, and and I'll support it because I like his art. But as far as being looking forward to it, no, I'd rather just see him. Him draw draw another Batman or, or well, something. Well, and that's a good point, Kirk. Is that you know if you're saying are you looking forward to it? If you gave me a choice 
between having two months of of these or continuing on with the stories that I, I've been reading and maybe now let's jump uh, you know ahead a, a two months and we can maybe finally get some other some new titles whether they're it's just a society or whatever then yeah I, I would prefer I would prefer them to continue with the ongoings that they've been doing and maybe to be able to you know add some new titles or, or what have you um, as opposed to a two-month break but at this by the same token I was I went in thinking what is this really going to be is how many of these am I going to be interested to even try out and I was pleasantly surprised that a lot of them seem like decent stories as far as as far as I can see yeah decent stories with some what I think are good creative teams yeah but but but, but I but I like I, I like to read aftershock I like read a lot of publishers that these creators are coming from What's the one guy I kept seeing on the books, Ram V or something? Yeah, he's yeah, he's, he's, he's writing great. Justice League Dark right now in Catwoman. Okay. Yeah. 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 He's the he's the only one that's changing, like not changing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think my DC books, honestly, for that last order were Black Man, Batman, Black and White, and Pat, Batman, Catwoman. I don't know if I I can't remember if I ordered anything else or not. Those but, are the I only mean, ones that are cheaper, sort of on their own. Book. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, my num- my ordering from DC and Marvel has dropped a lot, and some of that's because they've canceled the books, like Young Justice and Supergirl and Back. Naomi was good, yep. And, and those they're just not available anymore. And then some of them they just don't excite me, and they're always changing creative teams and relaunching I- and renumbering, and I I just get so tired of it. <laughs> I'm excited for the Jenny Hex special coming out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to that one. I like Steve Pugh. He's drawing one uh, with Mark Russell writing. I love Mark Russell. Well, so that's I'm a good combo. That's that. the Flintstones combo. Yeah. And um, Stephanie Phillips, I, I really like her work. She does a lot of Aftershock stuff. So they're bringing a lot of different teams on there. Dan Mora from Boom. Yeah, um, I like him So too. it's like there's some interesting, inter- interesting concepts and different characters. So... I think it'll be fun. It's almost like reading a Bronze Age Superman to me because they used to always do stuff. Oh, Superman's on this world, and now he's got a lion's head. And <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. The, so, so thanks, Shane, for the question. And uh, the, there was a follow-on question from Mo, Dr. Mo. I know him from Comic Book Page. Um he he submits comics to the previews uh, spotlight. Uh, he says, I second the future state question. Also, if you were in charge of the DC multiverse, which titles would you place on specific Earth or Earths? I honestly I, haven't kept up with the multiple Earth stuff very well. I don't, well, so, I don't know. So we're talking like the 52 Earths that... Uh... No, I, 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 I'd rather I'd rather go back to the original Earths, like Earth B, which was the Brave and the Bold Earth, and the yeah. Earth X, which was the Freedom Fighters, and Earth Two, which was World War Two, JSA, right. Earth Three, the Crime Syndicate, Earth One was our Earth. Yeah, 
Um, I, I'd like to see it bro broken out like that. I, I'd like to see the war heroes without superheroes. Like me too. Um, um, I'm with I'm with you 100. percent Earth W and just go back to World War Two. Mm -hmm. that, that would that would be good the only thing like with with me like i never had a you know i i always appreciated the different earths and stuff like that but the one thing that i thought ended up working really really well when they you know after it was well after crisis but when it was just the one earth is the whole um idea of like legacy and stuff with the jsa now being part of um Earth One, or you know, the main Earth, or whatever you call it, and um, and the fact that they were around for for so long, and and now you've got your, you know, current heroes of Superman and Batman and and stuff, and and especially with that those Justice Society books, it was just I thought such a wonderful mix of those Golden Age heroes that are still around, and like the you know young youngsters that are picking up the mantle of, of maybe, you know, some of the, you know, the same, same name of, of a hero that was around in world war two, whether it was a doctor midnight or, or, you know, what have you. But you still uh, had I, that prior to that. They just weren't on the same earth. I mean, you didn't have like the legacy, like passed down, but it sort of was because of the flash of two worlds and the mm -hmm. justice league cro JSA crossovers, like, to, to a point, but I, I think that, I mean, for, for me, just personally, I, I loved, you know, the Jeff Johns JSA, that he incorporated it all as, you know, as one. I just, I don't know, for me, you can't beat that. So I'm, I'm not sure where I, where I land with the Earths. Yeah, I, I, I'm with, I get what you're saying, but man, there there's something to be said about that All-Star Squadron era when, you know, you've got the the golden age superman and the golden age wonder woman and all them interacting with what would become the JSA I kind of I kind of miss that when once they they you know undid all those original origins yeah yeah and I I just finished reading as a matter of fact I covered um on one of the retros with with Mike and Chris um that you know the the tail end of uh, All Star Squadron because I I read the whole thing. Yep. Um, from from beginning to end, yeah. I mean, that was that was a it was a, a real fun series. Yep. Yeah, Crisis killed that one off bad. Oh, <laughs> I mean Jerry Ordway. I mean he, he not Jerry Ordway. Um, uh, Roy Thomas. Roy Thomas. He, yeah. He uh, I mean he he'll he he pulled no punches in like the letters columns and stuff like that. Like people would ask questions. And he's like, yeah, well, I was going to do this, this, and this, but now we've got this crisis going on. So, right. like, I mean, he would come right out, and I mean, you could tell that he was that he was not a huge fan of his his this comic that he was, he had been working on. Totally, well, of, course, being... of course, they're not though, because they had like solid jobs, and they're basically saying, well, we're taking your book away, and, and we're 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 letting George Perez and John Byrne and um, Messner Lobes and yeah, all the Marv Wolfman take over, you know, like all these books after Crisis. Yeah. So, a lot of the people that have been around were losing their books or had to find something else to do or become an editor. So, right, and it, well, and you know, I mean, and, and for him, that the whole like his entire books were World War Two um, heroes. He basically, like, as the book was going through, 
basically had to change like on the fly everything that was going on and like the fact that like Superman, Wonder Woman, Batman they don't exist anymore. It, like he had them in all these stories and now they don't they never existed in World War 2. I didn't like the way Grant Morrison broke up the multiverse. I I I I liked it before pre-crisis. Well, they just got obsessed with the number 52, and I don't know that that's his fault, but he's like, okay, you got 52, make it work, and that's kind of what he did. So then you get, like, the Red Rain Batman and yeah. you know, Gotham by Gaslight Batman and Red Sun Superman, and, you know, each each Elsewhere got a, its own planet yeah. or uh, uh, Earth. So I like to break out the way it was before, though. <laughs> right. It wasn't hard to follow. It was... You knew what where where things were. Now it's kind of Im- ambiguous to me. But um, what? How do you do? You care about the multiverse, Kirk? Not really. I I'm just more interested in in certain characters and certain stories. I don't really care what Earth it, it takes place on. I have I have fun with the alternate u- uh, universe stories. I, I've always liked that kind of stuff. And I think probably part of it is when I came into reading DC comics um, with exception of Teen Titans. I didn't really read anything until, uh, and I'm sure if you're my friend, you've heard this many times, uh, who's who number four. And just that like opened up a whole world to me, uh, you know, obscure characters, uh, every captain under the universe. And then my first issue of crisis was, uh, uh, I think it was five. Is that the one where it's got the halves meeting in the middle? Um, and uh, and the first one I owned was number six, where they brought in the Charlton characters. So I I I my first you know dip in the pool was in these multiversal characters. So I always enjoyed that, and uh, I I was I was excited when they you know brought it back for uh, oh crap now I can't think of what it's called. What's the one before Final Crisis? Infinite Crisis. I actually was really happy when they 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 brought it back. I was glad to see the the multi multiversal aspect come back. All right, I think is there any other questions? I think that's it. That's the only one I remember. All right, I wraps up the questions, and then I'll just recover my book real quick. Uh, sure. This this series I I really enjoyed. Um, this is uh, Joe Kubert Presents, and uh, it ran six issues. And uh, it had a lot of uh, uh, Sam Glasman in there and Joe Kubert. And uh, this, this, this issue brought talked about the Redeemer, and the Redeemer is, is sort of, I don't know, it feels sort of like Warlord of Mars and um, Eternal Warrior kind of thing. But... Um, Joe Cooper came up with this concept uh, back when he was doing Sergeant Rock and he wanted to do the Redeemer and he really didn't have the time to do it. But he thought of the concept and started executing on it because he said, oh, I could do this and still teach and because he had the Cooper at school and he was still doing his books and he, he, I, he never kicked off the ground. Um, so... In issue two and three and four, you get this the story of uh, Jim Torkin, who is uh, the Redeemer, and this takes place in the Civil War. 
it's kind of like a Highlander vibe. It's it's sort of a warrior that goes from time to time, and there's like this godlike, creepy old man that's following him that, to try to keep him from being redeemed. Because I guess when he's redeemed, I guess he can die peacefully. And um, this takes place in a civil war battle, and it's a bloody battle, man. And uh, the un the Union is defeated by uh, the Confederates in this battle. But the interesting thing about this battle is they they both lose like a lot of soldiers. And one of the redeemers, there's like maybe seven soldiers that are left in this whole whole thing after the battle. And he's like, we won, but we we lost at the same time. And then somebody comes riding up and said, the unions won the Civil War. The war is over. And uh, so he's like, holy crap. You know, we won this war, but we really lost. We lost the whole uh, battle. We won the battle, but lost the war. So then he's like off on his horse. And he's like, I got to figure out what to do. I'm just going to go out west. And he runs across some Union soldiers. And the scary thing is, is when war is over, I there were looters. It was it was like chaos. Like, and uh, these Union soldiers had this beautiful girl, and they were gonna rape her. And they told the Redeemer. They basically said, "Hey, you can join in the fun. We're all on the same side now. Come on." And uh, he doesn't like that. He he knows this is wrong. He goes, uh, why shouldn't they take the spoils? Why shouldn't I? And then he's like questioning himself. Lord, what am I thinking? Has this damn killing turned me into an animal? And uh, he ends up saving the girl and killing every one of these Union soldiers uh, that were like looting the place. And the girl's like, please, please take me with you. And he's like, can't do it. He said, I'll give you a ride to the next town, but I'm going to leave you there. And he goes off west, and uh, and then things get really weird uh, because he has this dream of the future, and uh, now he's in space, and and like you're like, what the hell's going on? And as he's going out west, he runs into this this old man, and he's kind of like a prospector, and he's like, I've heard out in Mexico there's this gold suit of armor that the the Indians have and we need to to go get it so he teams up with them to go get it and uh they meet an old Indian and uh he says I know where this armor is but the guy the older guy doesn't want to share the loot with make it go three ways so he shoots the guy in the back and uh the redeemer goes with them and who do they run into and if you're a fan of showcase you'll know this character fire hair but they run into fire hair and uh they they were going to originally stop him but they they ended up getting away because of magic well they basically put a chemical in water and caused a fire and it sort of scared the native americans um but then they go to find the armor and then it becomes like a movie like lair of the white worm there's this huge worm creature guarding the armor <laughs> and uh <laughs> and they end up he ends up killing the the creature and and taking the armor but it's it's such a weird story and i i think it was supposed to be like a uh, 12 issue deluxe format but 
I, I really like the concept of this. It's really cool. And uh, the back matter sort of explains that. And then it's it also had an on um, a story of Angel and the Ape. So if you're Angel and the Ape fans, uh, it wasn't by Joe Kubert, but it was by a Brian Buniak uh, who did the art and the story. And this was cool. It was about a Velociraptor robot robot dinosaurs that had to be taken out by uh, Angel and the Ape. And I uh, had an interesting USS Stevens by Sam Glasman, and it was a story of him as an older guy riding past a old house that had um, what what did the, the the mastheads or the masts that they used to put in front of the ships of these mm-hmm. beautiful women. Um, he ran across that, and uh, it reminded him of the past and. Uh, he spent a long time like describing a, how a destroyer works and all the different guns, which was pretty uh, amazing. Like to all the detail, like this gun's used for this, and an aircraft. This one's used. How the depth charges were used off the destroyer, and he breaks it all down and draws it all, and then he tells you the story of this this one strange guy that sort of looks like Abraham Lincoln that joined their ship from another ship. And uh, he learned a lot from this guy, but man, he was like, he was just strange. He was like off his rocker. And uh, he almost tried to kill the captain and he was, he was uh, imprisoned for it. But it, it was interesting because the stories he, he learned from this guy was amazing. There was, there was even one scene where he walks in it almost gets into like spiritual ghost stuff because this guy was like, he walks in in one of the rooms and this guy was like sort of floating in the middle of the room and he's like, what the hell? But hmm. it just makes you think like, did Sam Glasman really experience that? You know, right. what's up with that? Huh. And uh, it, it was such an unusual story because Sam Glasman's usually about facts and like things that happen and this one almost went in the supernatural realm, and uh, it was very, very strange. Um, it was really cool, too. But I would highly recommend getting all six of the uh, Joe Kubert Presents. They're, they're, it's an amazing, amazing miniseries. That's all I have. Very I'm cool. So, I'm really glad they did that series. I, it's probably not something that sold well for them, but you know, something Joe wanted to do, so I'm very thankful they put it out. Yeah, it, it was one of those things that a lot of people probably skipped, but uh, it it is a gem. Like that first, the first issue has some Hawkman in it, and there's a lot of Sam Glasman. There's some great Sam Glasman stuff in here. Um, a matter of fact, that this is the series that made me want to get more Sam Glasman through It's Alive. So I blame this series for causing me a lot of money uh, that I never never got any of those Kickstarters from. You, you uh... wanted to get a lot more Sam Glasman, but you haven't gotten any of them. That's right. <laughs> I, I want to say it was, um, it was one of those publishers you think more of like reprinting classics like Dover or somebody did a few of his books in the last few years, if you can run across those, grab them because I think they're out of print now. 
uh, like the USS Stevens stuff. It's good stuff. Yeah, I got a copy of that. It, it is good stuff. Yeah, Dover is where the guy who founded It's Alive started. He was working for them, and then gotcha. he, he created his own imprint, and obviously he's had mixed success with that. I just listen to you guys rip on him, and I'm like, man, I'm 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 staying away from this stuff. Well, I mean, he, <laughs> he publishes stuff that I absolutely love, love, yep. and, and I'm just so thankful somebody's even considering putting it together. But then you wait forever, and he's always got something going on where somebody embezzled money, or he fell for some. He actually sent the money to the prince of Sudan, and or he's or, or he's or, or, or he's sick. Or or his uh, they're gonna take away his wife and ship her back home. Uh, so like it's always a different story. And he sends these letters. Please donate money. You're probably not gonna get your books. <laughs> yeah, I mean the guy sounds like a real toe rag. I mean, uh, so like I said, anytime I I see that it's alive, I've like skip because mostly from what you guys have said. Well, it is it is reliable if you order like I order from previews and I do get mm -hmm. them. It's just well, the, the Kickstarters people... he took advantage of because you're protected by previews. Like if they if it doesn't ship, you'll get your money refunded by DCBS or whoever. Right. But, but, Mike, but Kickstarter so wise, you're not going to get anything. No, and, yeah, and the way that you said it, you, the way you said it before. I mean, you you've said it a few times, and and you're absolutely right. That everything that he puts out is like right up your alley in terms of like, you know, whether it's the war stuff or whatever, it's, 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 I think it's stuff that I'd be super interested in as well. So it sucks. It's like, it, it, it's the stuff that you want to see. And it's just so unfortunate that he's the one doing it all because mm -hmm. you see, you see what the track record is. And, and if you ever, I mean, I don't know if you've ever gone on Kickstarter and just read like the, Horror that, stories, um, yeah, that's terrible. Yeah, you read all the comments to him, uh, you know, about the the Willie Schultz uh, one, and it's like, oh my God, people are people are done with him. <laughs> but but the other I mean, thing he's just... done though is he's he's taken that same mannerism over to Indiegogo, and yeah. he's if if he can't, so he makes money two places and takes advantage <laughs> of people, and it's just not right. Like he he I he he doesn't think anything's wrong. Like he. Which is he's, insane. He's got this like psychotic mentality, like "Oh, woe is me." Uh, Kickstarter will allow this, and Indiegogo will allow this, and I don't feel like I, I'll, I'll send it if I can make money, but he doesn't, mm -hmm. and and then he ends up get it, giving them through previews. So like, I, I learned my lesson, and I still order stuff through previews because I want it. It fits my wheelhouse, whether it's Kona or Airboy or. Um, I mean, he's done Airboy. I mean, he's he's done all mm -hmm. kinds of stuff that we like, and uh, I get it. I, I just never got the copies that he was originally supposed to send me from Kickstarter. So, the uh, the Lonely War of Captain Willie Schultz was successfully funded on September thirtieth, two two thousand and eighteen. Yeah, and I'm a backer. So am I. Me too. <laughs> and then if you read. You read those comments. Woo! Oh my goodness! Yeah, well, it's just a to shame. Add insult to injury. He's one of them that previews will 
if you order it through previews, you get your book before you do if you back his Kickstarter directly. Right. But you, well, you won't even get it in his Kickstarter. What are you talking about? Well, now That's everyone he's up. published, everyone he's published, I've got. But it's I have after not. It's been through. It's after it's been through previews. It's usually not packed very good. It's just in a mailer envelope. And so, like one of them, I, I backed the Sam Glansman book. I don't even remember what it was called, but it was packed in an envelope and it arrived where the corner was dented so bad that it gave it a spine split. And I was like, dude, you can't pack like this. Can I get a, can I trade this in for a better copy? And of course he never responded to me. Yeah. He's not one for correspondence. That's for sure. Oh, <laughs> he, he, he'll like sending you stuff though. If you're on his oh, mailing list. Yeah. He doesn't mind sending you stuff. He just is not going to respond to anything. To any of your emails. Him. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it, there's, certain things you feel sorry for somebody and then at a certain point you're like dude you got to get your act together <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. yeah grow um, up man crap treat, happens to all of us treat treat people like you want to be treated that's what you should always go by right especially if you want to make a business out of running kickstarters you have to fulfill them if you want people to keep coming back that's exactly right and that's another thing that he that I learned my lesson is he'd have like four at a time, which was bad. And he never even fulfilled the first one. So oh, he, he was like making money and then he'd make some more money and then more money. And he has never sent out the first one that he did. So, well, and then like you said, people started to catch on in Kickstarter. So he went to Indiegogo. Just shopping just around. Wonder. A lot of, especially the early ones that he would have, there would be like lots of different original art award rewards. And was he paying the artists for these? Are they wondering where's my money for that sketch I gave you, dude? <laughs> well, that was yeah. when I that that was when I think Sam Glassman was still alive, though. Yeah, he started off with with Sam, Sam was, still, was alive. still alive. Yeah. All sure. right. Well, I want to thank everyone that sent questions because we had quite a few. And fun uh, yeah, it was fun answering them. And uh, we can uh, wrap this episode up. You can uh, find us on Twitter at Big Five Army, at Iowa's Joe, and at Mike Myers Brunch, and at Rob Krieger. And Did I get everything right? Yes, it's always a pleasure to yeah. uh, to talk to you guys. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, and we had a lot of upfront discussion, which was cool about toys. Yeah. <laughs> I <true>. like toys. <laughs> I I do like toys. I wish I could get more because they yeah. have such cool toys, man. Well, especially lately, they're making all the things that I you know went nuts over as a kid and. Now they're back in the toy aisles. Mm-hmm. Well, those GI, those, those new GI Joes, they look awesome. Like I, I have never seen one like at the store, but they just look, they look so cool. I would love to get like a, a Snake Eyes at least, or a Baroness. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Like they are had you the... talking about the six-inch ones, the classified, or are you talking about the reissues of the, you know, the more classic? I think the stuff? the new ones that are six-inch. 
They're almost like Those the are... uh, Star Wars Black series. Okay, I know which yeah. ones you're talking about now. Yeah. Those are yeah. the ones I want. I think COVID, because nobody can go to movies and uh, games and all the, and the bars and all the stuff like they used to. Now they just go to Walmart and Target and clear out the the, the toy and baseball card <laughs> aisle. And so uh, Kirk goes looking and he can't find anything. Yep. What, what got what what got you guys back into sports cards? Just out of curiosity. Uh, I think I was. I think I got so disheartened when we had that flood that just killed off uh, about uh, almost half of my collection that I didn't even want to look at it for years. Yeah. And so one one COVID day, <laughs> I'm down in the basement and I decide to go through and I'm like, well, this is what I've got left. Well, these are some things I really want to replace. And so uh, I decided I wanted to go to a, a card store on a trip to Chicago. I think that's about when it started. Um, and then uh, we didn't make it to the card store. Uh, and I was like, well, I'll just pick up something at, at Walmart. And then I sent the picture to, to Kirk. I'm like, there's nothing here. So then we went to another Walmart and I was like, there's nothing here. And then we went to another Walmart and, and Target, and it was just store after store. I was like, well, this is really crazy. And then it became one of those, like, okay, uh, first thing I'm going to do, I'm going to go to eBay and replace some of the stuff that the, the flood ruined. You know, like my weird Kmart sets and my 87 tops. Yeah. You know, just some nostalgia type stuff, old baseball cards. And then it just became this obsession because it wasn't there and it was, like, weird. Because, you know, for years... You're it was looking e- at the, it was it was easy to get them yeah yeah it was just there you go down there there's Pokemon there's the new DC Giants and there's baseball cards yeah and all of a sudden the Pokemon's still there the DC Giants are still there and the 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 sports cards were gone it was really weird it was and it's, it's a it's a COVID thing I think oh it, it totally is because the investors have taken over yeah and they're and they're flipping them kind of like they did with comics in the nineties yep. And it's it's it, so it's the bubble's gonna burst eventually. But yeah, it's it was one of those things. I was bored, and I was revisiting what was left of my childhood with my kids. And that's the other thing. The kids of Henry was sitting sorting through doubles tonight with me. And you know, anything I can enjoy with the boys, I'm gonna get more of a kick out of. So yeah, but yeah, that's where it started for me. And I think me going down the rabbit hole. Uh, kind of got Kirk, got Kirk go down. going down the rabbit hole <laughs> a little bit with me. <laughs> well, I had I hadn't given up the hobby completely. I just didn't pursue it like I do comics. It would be I usually I'd buy a box of Bowman at Target or Walmart, and I'd usually buy a box of clearance stuff because most of the time they would have last year's cards. Now they're like half price, so I'd get like you know a box from the year before and then the new box of Bowman. And then all of a sudden there was nothing. I couldn't get any of my stuff. And that just kind of like lit a fire, a competitive fire. Like, you tell me I can't have it. I want it even more now. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's a thing. Yep. That's weird about the collector mentality. Yep. But see, I'm lucky. I'm too cheap to spend like crazy amount of money on eBay. So what I'll do is I'll buy something cheap from like two years ago or 15 years ago instead. And me and Henry tearing through packs of 1992 you know uh nhl cards is just as much fun to me as like current somebody stuff, spending yeah. 200 dollars on ebay for like two packs of modern well, stuff. Yeah. more fun because i would know those players the older yep. stuff 
And a lot of these that I'm opening now, I'm like, I don't know who this is. Yeah. I hope it's a good one. No, but what's driving them? Is there like, I, I know for a while there in the cards, you could get like a piece of a jersey and stuff. Like autographs. You actually, yeah, you could get like an autograph. Is that is that still in the 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 Walmart's and Target? Is that what? Oh, yeah. It would be if somebody had bought them all. Yeah. 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 Some of the boxes, you know, you can get at least one autograph and sometimes yep. multiples, but it's, every product has signed cards in it. And I, like, I've been looking at uh, signed cards. I'd love to get a lot of the Alabama players and signed cards from them, or any Cubs players, or any Braves players. And most of the cards are a lot more affordable than they used to be when they first started inserting autographs. Now, there's exceptions, you know, like the the hottest rookie is not something I can pick up, but I picked up a, a Cubs rookie for like $12 for an autographed card and that's shit. So that, that to me, that's not a bad price at all. I, I would like to get the, uh, Todd McFarlane failed, uh, hockey cards. They were, they're so awesome looking. Um, <clears throat> they were, did those come out. They were before, before he did spawn, he wanted, after he did Spider-Man, he wanted to quit comics and he right. was gonna go he loves hockey and he loves baseball i mean he bought the what was it the mcguire baseball uh he yeah. the barry bonds one yeah and yep. he, he's always been into the hockey stuff like right that hockey's like what he loves and uh he 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 went and did this like artistic version of the cards like where he actually drew a bunch of hockey players and he was gonna call this uh uh, you know, how there's upper deck. He's like, right. I'm going to call this front row because why would you want to be in the upper deck when you could be in the front row? <laughs> <laughs> it's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it, if you, if you want to see it, he talks about these in Rob Servations and oh, uh, you can, you can go to the Rob Servations website, find that issue and you can see the cards, like the cards that he drew and they're characters of the, the hockey players, but they, it looks awesome, especially if you're like a Todd McFarlane fan. And uh, what he was going to do is he was going to do like cards. So you'd actually get like Wayne Gretzky, but right. then in, in the pack, you'd also get like on the, you turn the card over, you'd get the statistics and you'd get the sketch. Right. So you, he'd get a McFarlane sketch. And then he was going to hire his buddies like Jim Lee and Liefeld and everybody to do cards character cards a lot that go with the photo so it, i think well, that would have been and, a cool idea and that era was when trading cards were super hot too you oh, know yeah uh, that's kind of like they are now but that that late 80s early 90s right before the bubble burst you know th that was a really big deal yeah 90 in the early 90s i was buying a lot of the super heart the superhero collections me too yeah and uh i would buy them by the box and then me and barb would we were still in college, but I'd, I'd open the box. Me and Barb would open all the packs and then organize them and then put them in a binder. So nope. I have I have all of the cards still. Um, those I, those first two Marvels are still my favorite. Yeah, the Joe Jusco ones were the yep. the ones that I dug like to no end. Those are amazing. But uh, yeah, those are beautiful. What's it called? Colors. Masterworks. Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. Marvel Masterworks. Yeah, I wish a couple of his dreams had come true. That sounds like a cool one. I definitely wish Eclipse had come through. Yeah, I wish he would have done the... I, I know he has a... 
did he do an Airboy figure? He did. No, he did a Miracle Man figure. Yep. Um, but I don't think he did an Airboy. But he was supposed to have the rights to. He bought something and it wasn't what he thought. <laughs> so uh, yeah, he he was supposed to have the rights to the Eclipse characters and it didn't didn't work out. Now why but, didn't it work out? I don't remember that story. Because he didn't actually own the own they the didn't characters. actually own the rights to half yeah. of that stuff. Oh, uh, like Airboy being public domain? That what you mean? Well, like Miracle Man was actually still owned by a British company. It, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there was a lot of uh, – he went through a lot of trial stuff, even on a yeah, hockey thing. there, He was – I can't remember one of the villains that he called, but it had to do with hockey. It was yeah, the, quiz, but the villains had the same name as a Had hockey the player. same name as a hockey player that he didn't yep. like, and they took yep. him to court for it. <laughs> and won. Yeah. So Tony Twist, or was it uh, something yeah, like Tony that? Twist. Yeah, Yeah. So yeah, I'll, I find all this stuff fascinating. That's why I love. I'm glad you turned me on to Rob Servations because that's a good show. I, I I like no pieces of it, but this is like putting the parts together for me. That's why I like about it. And I I find like a he talks like about a dozen books that I that I still need that I get want to get hungry and want to put on my comic shop and buy. So. <laughs> Yeah, I've been on an image kick for sure. You should have told me. I think I sent almost all my image books to Rob. Yeah. Yeah, he was. He <laughs> talked about uh, Iron Ghost on the last episode. Yep, that's yeah. a good one. It was. But I got Space Ace, so that's... <laughs> I mean, not Space Ace, Dragon's Lair. Yep. So, well, yeah, I remember you saying that was one of the few cross gens you didn't have. So yeah, I, I, I missed I, 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 I missed was, the yeah. licensing stuff. So there was Space yeah. Ace, Dragon's Lair. Uh, they did He Man too. Yeah. Um, yeah I the only He Man's I have from that era are probably the Image ones. Yeah. All right. I've well, got I think we... most of the He Man. I like He Man. Me too, dude. I never went into the toys, but I did have what do you call it? DC Comics presents He Man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I, I had that. The toys. I just got the uh, Star version of He Man or Masters of the Universe just recently. Man, those are hard to come by. I, I I'm still bummed that I don't know where what happened to the ones I had. Those are those can be pretty pricey. They're they're going up because they announced another movie. So or a production of it. Yeah, I wish I wish DC would get those reprinted. Mm. Well, there was nice. the Masters. I have that the the three issue Masters of the Universe limited yeah, series, and then the DC Comics presents that launched it. There, yep. Oh no, it was actually Superman teams up with Masters. Yeah, of he the teams Universe. up with He Man. Yep. Yeah, it wasn't one of those eight page things. Yeah, that's some cool stuff, man. But All right, I did well, do an insert with Masters of the Universe also. It, oh, was uh, it an eight-page thing too? They, yeah, they, they did both. That, and they had the DC Comics presents with Superman, and they had the three-issue miniseries. Yeah. And then 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 Star. It went to Marvel. Yeah. I just got the uh, adaptation of the movie too. <laughs> nice. Dolphin. That's got a Mike Zek cover, doesn't it? I think so. 
I got those from Aaron Myers, the uh, the star and the Masters of the Universe. And how much did he charge you after he paid a quarter for them? Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. I think he charged me like 50 times the what he paid for them. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm keeping the his buying machine going. That's what's happened. <laughs> You're paying I, for him to go. I, I, I'm, I'm allowing him to do all those deals in the the drug alleys in the <laughs> hotel rooms that there's sperm hanging from the ceiling and shit yeah. like that. It's like he took a picture of one of the rooms, and I'm like, oh my god, I would never go into this room. It sounds it sounds dangerous to me. <laughs> I'd probably do it for comics. <laughs> <laughs> well, he does a lot of that. What is that? Um, I'm trying to think of what that thing is called. The, it's not like a thrifty nickel, but it's a online yeah. service. I've done it with Craigslist. Craig, with a friend one time. Was it Craigslist? Yeah, it's Craigslist. But Craigslist can... There's horror stories with Craigslist. Oh, yeah. Well... They they encourage you to like meet in the sheriff's parking lot and stuff. Yeah, which, which is well, great. hell, they had a Lifetime movie, The Craigslist Killer, or something, didn't they? Yeah, <laughs> I think it was inspired by the Aaron Meyer story. <laughs> he's, he's lucky he doesn't wake up in a in a in a chilled bathtub with his with his kidneys missing. Right. <laughs> yeah. It hasn't happened yet. <laughs> yeah, you have one of those. But uh, if the killer leaves him a kidney and a Fantastic Four number one, <laughs> it also organs. You'll have, have one of those. Detective twenty seven. Forty eight hours. Not completed my Fantastic Four run. <laughs> Comic fan. Uh, <laughs> All right, I I gotta go to bed. All right, you gotta go to work. No, no, you don't. You work at home. You just get up. Yeah, I just get ready. You just get up and turn your computer on. What do you have like to get to ready? Do. You could you could work in the nude if you wanted to. My goodness. I I I, I guess. <laughs> my, my kid, my kids, when they got up to get ready for school, would be quite upset though. <laughs> are, are they actually going to school? Because I heard I heard. Uh, Oh no, you're not in Illinois. We you're, just went 100 percent uh, New York. Yeah, we we went 100 percent online starting tomorrow in Iowa. We're yeah. probably on our on our way there. We're we're just uh, we're. I was thinking that they would get through up to uh, Thanksgiving and then and then stay home after the break. But I'm not sure we're going to make it that long. Well, I don't because... know where we're at now, but Iowa was number one last week. Yeah, uh, my job just not, not Iowa, uh, Illinois. Mm. It was ahead my of Texas. My job just went to curbside only. So, like, if a if a patron comes to the library now, the only thing they can do is pick up. So, yeah, it's it, everything's everything's getting closed down again. Yeah, I tried to go to Captain D's and they wouldn't even let me in. It's online only. Yeah, can't you go through the drive-through though? Well, the drive-through was backed up to the street. Oh. So I was going to walk in and just get my, my fish that way, but their doors are locked and you can, you have to order online and then drive through to pick it up or yeah. you can order in the drive through. I was like, I ain't doing all that. 
Yeah. We're gonna do that for some extra hush puppies. Well, we gotta let Rob get his beauty sleep here. Yeah, I gotta get my beauty sleep. Yeah, oh, so he, my time. he could he could blow these uh, beautiful kisses at us next time. Yeah, uh, we we'll miss you, Rob. Gwen Stefani. <laughs> All right, Thanks, you guys. Always, I had a great time. Yeah, have have, have a good one. Have have a good week. Yep. And if I'm I don't talk to you guys, have a good thing. If I don't talk to you guys in two weeks, uh, have a good Thanksgiving week too. Yeah. You too. Yeah. Happy Thanksgiving. All right. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye, Bye everybody. Bye.